brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, what's up? How's it going? You're all very welcome to episode 52 of Buckshot for today, Thursday. I'm just lashing this out on Thursday because I think tomorrow's a bit bananas. Thursday the 29th of March <laughs> 2018. Oh, Christ. How often do you get asked the date during the day and you're just like, I haven't a fucking clue. I haven't a clue. But we're all weather experts and whatnot. You're all very welcome. Thank you very much for jumping on board. We've had some new listeners from some new places during the week. We'll chat about that in a minute. I, I won't keep you for too long before we get to get to today's guest. Um, Dublin. Dublin have screamed into number one this year in the down, this week in the downloads list. But strangely and quite excitingly, a place called Panorama City in California. Panorama City, if you don't mind. I'm guessing you can see it from all angles. Ah, no, I'm not even going to make a shitty joke about Panorama City. But... Um, Usual suspects are in there, the likes of Belfast, Glasgow, London, pulling up, San Francisco. In at number nine, but still holding in there in the top ten. Lisbon, good old Lisbon is back uh, back in the fucking play. High Wycombe, say no more. High Wycombe came in at number five. But I think the biggest surprise for everybody this week has to be Casablanca has come in at number seven. Who the fuck is in Casablanca? Huh? Casablanca in Morocco. By God, fair play to Jesus. I... I don't know who'll be listening to my musings in Casablanca, but I'm guessing there's nobody sets up like bots to listen to podcasts today. Maybe they do. I don't know. They'll uh, not sure how interesting they'd find me, but you're all very welcome to anybody new who's welcome, whatever you're, whatever you're listening to it on. If it's iTunes, SoundCloud, or you're listening directly through my podcast or through my website, tomomahoney.com for anybody who's wondering, um, hit subscribe. Share, tell everybody about it. And you know what? Anybody who's listening on iTunes, because this is a thing I've just been advised to do, I don't. I think it's it hires the ratings. Would you leave an owl? Leave an owl if you like it. Leave an owl. N- nice message. Because you can only do it, I think, if you have iTunes. You can leave, like, you can leave me messages all you want through the comments. Through my website, you can leave comments if you have something to say on an issue or whatever. Not that there's too many issues. My shit isn't. I don't. And like, as I found, We've so much things swirling around now and there's so many things voicing their opinions on this thing and that thing. Your average Joe and Josephine just puts their trousers on and their fucking lady trousers on one leg at a time and goes to fucking work. These are the normal folks. It's just normal folks. It's just normal chatting. But if you do, if you do feel free to leave a comment anywhere you like. But if you do, if you're leaving it, like, leave, if, if you like it, give it a five stars. If you don't like it or if you're meh, don't bother, because it, it would seem, it's like, I don't, again, 
I'm I'm probably saying this to people who are going, why would I leave less than five stars, Tom? Exactly. Exactly. If you don't, if it's less than five stars, don't, it's not beneficial to anybody if it's less than five stars. Personally, uh, I wouldn't put a star system in there, I'd just put in a fucking sound bastards, leaving sound bastard fucking quotes of, hey Tom, keep up the good work, enjoy this shit. It steers other people to the podcast and we, we, we make our community a bit bigger. A bit, Jesus Christ, I'm tripping over my own fucking words. Anyway, you get the gist. If you want to find me anywhere else, obviously you can find me through Instagram at Tom O'Mahony Comedy, where I put up stupid shit like ice creams and the dog saying outlandish things. Of course, it isn't the dog. And it, brilliantly, nobody gets stressed. I've seen people actually, I find this offensive under some people putting things up like that a cat or a gerbil would have said, they can't talk. You can't talk. Relax. It's a joke. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's a joke. Um, also, to anybody who wants to help a couple of more people funded this week got on with Patreon um, if you haven't heard of Patreon it's essentially for any artist it's not like people trying to scam money or whatever but this shit costs money and costs time it's not that I'm trying to make any money out of it but I do want to get better gear and it would be great if it was you know part funded by some of the gang that actually listen because this is going to be I'm not going to knock this I'm not going to quit this this is going to be an ongoing thing forever really like, but I want to get better gear for it i.e. better sound equipment and the one I want is a hate I think it's a H4. So this is a H2 I record on now. A Zoom H2. Which is perfect and mobile and all the rest of it. But just for clarity. You know what I mean? Things like somebody scratching their fucking head. Like I'm doing right now. Which you possibly could hear. Um, doesn't get picked up. So you can, you know you actually have separate mics. This is all one contained unit. And like I said. Handy out. But not primo crispo in your Eero. So um, things like me cracking my knuckles just there for no reason won't pop up and stuff uh, later down the line I'd like to get a decent camera as well to film it so we can do proper proper filming the GoPro is grand for the minute um, I totally forgot the fucking thing for today's one so there'll be no but I'm putting up ones and uh, I one I have two broken down from Damo Clark to put up and I'm going to be putting them up on the Patreon page which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Tom O'Mahony Buckshot I'll put the link in the watch we call it if you feel like it sling it a dollar or whatever you feel like. Some people have thrown in a tenor. Legends. Absolute fucking legends. Anybody who... Look, you'll get a shout out on this anyway. But it's it's just all... It's it's go essentially going towards the fucking gear. Um, and like that, if you want to check out the out website, you know something about websites, fill me and tell me what you think. If you want to see more shit added to it, um, it's tomomahony.com. Very simplistic. Again, I'll put it in the description along with uh, today's guest's details and all the rest of it. Other than that... Um, no sponsor this week. It'll be next week, I think. It'll be the sponsor is back. So let's get straight into it. Where was I gigging last? Oh, I was last Friday. I was in Balbriggan with the mighty Eric Lawler and Patser Murray. Um, it was a charity, but it's it's actually well, it's raising money for. I mean, we we you know you get paid, but it's it was a fantastic gig. I like it was in a hotel, and you never know how these are going to go. But Jesus Christ, they packed the fucking room out with about three hundred people. And they were wild. These were red, like, not redneck, blue collar, regular folk who were just up for a fucking laugh. You could, they like, the the brakes were off. You know what I mean? There was no, not that I care too much because my stuff isn't particularly controversial. But I do speak in a way where some softer natured folk would go, oh, Jesus, I'm not used to that. You know, um, these folk were used to it. They were ready to rock from the outset. It was good. It was a good, fun gig. Um I was down in Cork then for over the weekend with another thing. 
but gigs, yeah, gigs get busy now this weekend. Um, I'm in, where am I? Tomorrow night, Friday night, Good Friday. Good Friday, by God, I've never gigged on a Good Friday. Um, Good Friday, I'll be in Chaplin's Comedy Club. Uh, Good Saturday, great Saturday, says you. Um, I'll be in Chaplin's Comedy Club. And Sunday night, I'm going to be in Abbey Leaks in the, oh Jesus, the Manor Hotel in Abbey Leaks. I'll be there with Pat McDonnell, former guest, um, Mark Dohany, and Totally Wired, I'll be there with. The, yeah, fucking hell, Good Friday, the pubs are open for anybody outside of Ireland who doesn't know Ireland very well. The pubs, forever in a day, have been closed on Good Friday, just like they are on Christmas Day. Um... I'm I'm kind of indifferent about it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't see the big deal. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, it's grand. Yeah, hey, great for me. I'm gigging and all the rest of it. Like, but I mean, it's fucking, you know, I don't know. It's kind of an Irish, I like Irishy things sometimes. And I mean, of course, everybody's like, oh, fuck the church. But aside from the church, I was just kind of thinking, is it not a kind of a good day to, you know, maybe to not, you know, it's a Friday. Can you get invented? It, you know, it kind of brought parties out of people. Like, I went to parties on Good Friday. They were always great. Like, now they're gone. It's just another fucking Friday now. And, of course, the pubs win. You know what I mean? It's the pubs that win, like, out of all of this. So, I yeah, the party scene is gone. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, in that sense, I'm not going to fucking labour on it again. <sighs> Each to their own. If, if people are making money and people are making wages, happy days. But... Like that, the old parties of Good Friday are now gone. I did, um, I know I've said about the, the jokes of, uh, it's just an animal and they're not actually talking. I put up one on Instagram this week. Most people probably listen to the podcast, probably follow me and stuff, but I couldn't help it. Um, I, th- I, d- I think I talked a little bit about it last week, about your man. Your man, he actually got convicted, the guy with his pug. Um, now, what he was saying, like, he, if anybody hasn't seen this, or I don't know, you just it slipped by you in the news. Essentially, a guy in Scotland, he's an online comedian. I don't know if he does stand up or whatever, but he does an online comedian. And he, um, I don't know what his political connotations are, but he had a pug, his his girlfriend's pug, and she was videoing him or whatever. And he had the pug like doing a Nazi salute, and he was saying "gas the Jews," um, "gas the Jews." I mean, it was a poor choice of words. It wasn't a particularly funny joke. I mean, was he taking the piss on the Nazis? You know, maybe he was, but regardless, it was just like, whatever. It's just a, a dog saying silly words. It's a man pretending the dog is saying silly words. From that, he got um, he got convicted. I was like, are you going to convict the pug as well? But he got convicted of uh, hate crimes. Inciting hate crimes. I was like, what? Fucking what? How? Who the fuck is seeing that and going, right up? Right, oh, you're dead right. Yep, yeah, fuck all the Jews. I'm joining the Nazis. It just blew my fucking mind that... I mean, whatever about... I don't know. I mean, I, I don't... I'm not a... I'm not a preacher of things politically and all the rest of it, but... What? Is that... Is that totally... Like, is everybody okay with that? Like, that a fella... Like, whether he's a gobshite or... It was not a particularly funny thing. That's... It's just words. And it's a silly words with a... Pug? What? So, just those words. And they, they said, it doesn't matter the context. You you just can't be saying that shit. So, in if you were to do a period correct movie, and, you know what I mean? 
say set in the nineteen late nineteen thirties or whatever, and you you can't have Nazis saying things like that because it would upset people, but it would ruin the you know what I mean. It just, it just so I put up a picture of the dog, <laughs> me me, you know, Tom dog Tom dog in conversation, and the conversation being, um, did you hear about this guy and his pug who got arrested for hate? You really have to be careful. And the thing of way I've been doing it up late is like just having the dog saying outlandish fucking things, or just being a dick. And of course, I have the dog saying up the ra. Which to anybody outside of here, um, outside of Ireland, up the ra. The ra is a shortened version, Republican Army, shortened version of the IRA. It, again, what the fuck? Like it's a, a silly throwaway thing, but you'd be surprised the amount of people that would normally like my stuff didn't like this. Um, because again, they're not that they probably didn't find it funny. They're probably going, "Ooh, I'll I'll stand back from that because, you know." It might be a little right. It might be a little right of centre. <laughs> no, it's not. It's me and a fucking schnauzer acting the bollocks. That's all. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, the dog is, is, is on the mend. Anyway, she's, well, I say on the mend. She's a fucking 110% for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ, she's absolutely grand. Um, it would seem Granny is on the mend as well. We'll cross our fingers. There was a couple of people messaging me and asking me about Granny. Grandma, she's back on. Yeah, she seems to be the comeback kid. She's uh We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed for her. Um, I'm not going to be asking people for prayers and all that stuff. Like it's just you know. I said I'd give people an update. They were asking. Uh, yeah, moving swiftly along. Did you hear? Did you hear anybody past past guest? I think he's from episode four. I think it was Spike O'Sullivan. I know I was talking about him to getting to fight. Uh. Canelo Alvarez, who'd be like number two in the world of the middleweights at the minute, I would imagine, or he'd be right up there anyway. He's a huge draw. He was to fight him after Canelo Alvarez fights Triple G in May. Spike was lined up to fight him in uh, September. But it looks like Alvarez is after failing a drug test for taking Clambrutinol, which he is claiming... It's as a direct result of eating beef because his country is riddled with fucking growth hormones. I mean, you know what, Canelo? Fuck you. Fuck you. You fucking, you know where you're from and you know that South America is absolutely no, in fact, North America as well, kind of doesn't have much in the way of restrictions when it comes to growth hormones and cattle. Hence why their cattle are walking around with, and people are walking around with like big massive necks and stuff. It's a direct result. It's, and that's not just Tom silly thinking. I have actually inquired to an expert on uh, on genetics and whatnot and foody stuff. Jesus Christ, I sound like a genius, don't I? But <laughs> it is as a direct result. Um, so yeah, he's. It looks like he's after failing a drug test, and there I go. And they'll, I mean, if Buck, if if the promoters can get in right, they can go. Well, you know what? If he can't do it, Spike's in good shape. He's been training to fight this guy. So why doesn't Spike fight you? So hopefully, I'm going to ring Spike later on. Um, and see what the fucking feel is. I might even get to call out to the gym if I have time. Because I know he's out, he's out training in, in Celtic Warrior today. So it could be a fucking life changer if he gets to fight Triple G for the titles um, in Vegas May 5th. Because he reckons he's ready to fight. So fingers crossed. He's as And anybody listen back to that one, he's one of the calmest, nicest fellas. You like, like all the fighters are. All fighters are. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. But they're just, these are people who don't have to put on a show because they knock people out for a fucking living. You know what I mean? Uh, and another big news as on the fighting terms, Will Flory from episode 34, I think, um, has now been signed by Bellator. The undefeated middleweight has been signed by Bellator. Fair fucking play to him. It was, it was, uh, he's, if anybody, like he's just demolishing people. So if anybody is Jewish, it, it's Will Flory. Um, more power to the two fucking boys because when you're putting in that kind of work that most of us don't put into life, these guys are getting, their every waking moment is thought about fighting. Their every waking meal is thought about their job. You know what I mean? How they conduct themselves is all about, you know what I mean? Can you imagine doing any job to that length where you get out of bed in the morning and every single facet of your day is dedicated to your job? Every single, your waking moment is dedicated to your job. Holy fuck. I'd say the world would be fairly efficient. We could probably, we could probably get rid of a good quarter of us, I'd say. Half of us even, I'd say, if we were all that efficient at our job, then again, it would want to be a job that you fucking love. The lads, lads love fighting. So <laughs> I suppose that if, if you're, you know what I mean, if you're, uh, if you're sweeping up the aisles in Tesco's, maybe, well, maybe if you do, if you love it, if you love it, then fucking why not go percent at it? Anyway, moving swiftly along, like I said, gigs this weekend. Check them out on tomomahoney.com. If you do, if you're feeling generous and you want to see the show improve sound-wise, go to Patreon. I'll, again, I'll put it in the, the description. Or do you know what? Be sound as a pound if you're listening on, a, on Apple. Go into the old iTunes link that you're listening to this on and leave a sound out fucking five star there and just say uh, say whatever you're fucking feeling. But if it's a five star, leave it with me because, uh, yeah, it helps more people fucking find it apparently. I don't know. I have no idea how this works. Moving on to today's guest, Paul Woodfull. I met Paul first when he came back onto the comedy scene in his character form of Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't ever heard of him, Ding Dong Denny, he's got some fucking. It's all tongue and cheek with almost a. He's a parody of a fucking like an old folk, folky Dublinese singer, um, a bit of a bowsy as they'd say. But he's he's done fucking tons. Like he, he had a very successful band, tribute band of Abba Esk. I think it was him and his brother. We talk about it briefly. But he also by accident had a very popular and successful YouTube parody band. Um which again we kind of get into it was it was by accident. But um he was the cutting edge of the punk scene in Dublin back in nineteen seventy. 
Uh, and also, obviously, he's his latest character, Ding Dong, Denny O'Reilly. But he he re- writes an awful lot, too. And he's written, uh, he has a new album out, which is kind of digital music more than anything. And I was listening to this, actually fucking class. Again, I'll put the link in the description here. But what he's prob- probably most notable for is the fact that he's one of the co-writers of the very successful um, musical, Aikino. Which it depicts the kind of the carry on that went on with Roy Keane the time he left the, the Irish team in Saipan at the World Cup. Uh, other than that, like he's bags, he's always, you know, he's making music for stuff all the time. Um, and we recorded this in his, in his studio, in his actual, it's a shit, I fucking love what he has. He has this class, uh, class fucking sound studio down the end of his garden. Fucking, it'd be just deadly to have it. You'd live in the thing, you're so cosy. Uh, we had a great fucking chat, went on longer than I thought. I think we probably both thought it went on longer than, uh, than we were expecting, so... I'll move swiftly on in, so please enjoy and go crazy for the fantastic Paul Woodfull. There we are, Paul Woodfull. Thank you very much. We're in the beautiful surrounds of uh, your uh, Scandinavian cabin here. (laughs) (laughs) It's cosy, isn't it? Uh, it is, uh, yeah, you know, it is, yeah, it heats up nicely, um, I won't bore people with the, uh, details of the amount of insulation. And you wouldn't, that kind yeah, of... you wouldn't believe the amount of people that do love that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. they, I get, it's the only thing that I ever get corrected with, mm. like, when I talk about, like, technical stuff, and the, that's mm. the only thing people that listen to my podcast, they don't give a shit if I get a subject wrong, right, or okay. if I've said something completely <laughs> inappropriate, they're just okay, <laughs> they've got no, no, Tom, on the facts of what you're talking about there, we'll, uh, We'll pull mm. you up on it. We were talking just uh, about gigging and the various things. Oh, yeah. The time we... Where was it? Was it in Waterford? It was in Waterford. So, Waterford County. Down the south. What is it? Don't, wherever. It was a sea. You know, a, quite a, a nice sort of Gorgeous s- little spot. spot. Yeah. It wasn't Dungarvan, was no, it? No, because Dungarvan was a much bigger town, but it wasn't far remember. from there. Uh, yeah, it was sort of there. Yeah, right down. And it was... Uh, yeah, it was probably, it might have been the worst gig I've ever done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, you had a, you'd a great gig, actually, oh, as I recall. That's all I could do is shout at him at that stage. Uh, uh, yeah, I should have shouted. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't that they were unpleasant. It was just that thing that, uh, I, I mean, I hadn't really, I, I, I hadn't, I, done comedy clubs very much yeah. up to that point really I think I started doing comedy clubs with Joe and then I kind of figured out a few things oh right this is what you need to do when you're yeah. doing comedy club I was used to doing gigs and wheelings with this thing and all that you know and so I re- you know really got off to a bad start and there was that thing the audience they were trying to be nice but it just wasn't but it, it was never going to work so it, it was, was like never going to work kinda, yeah. it was a bar just, restaurant oh. thing and it, they had it set up for about a hundred people yeah, and that's what was right. there was about thirty at most spattered around the kind of the few seats. Yeah, I it think was, even less. Oh, I think the, it was about ten or something. Yeah, do you know what? This is what happens. To your they call yeah. this the Mandela effect. Like mm. when, you, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when you definitely have yourself convinced that it wasn't as bad as, mm. but it was like just the dose of getting down to it. And then how did that gig even come about? I like I, they called me, and I think somebody else had said to them about something or other and the woman was very nice to deal with I I, I kind of think I don't know whether it was also because I had a PA was 
kind of one of, <laughs> one of the carrots on there. So you're the lad who can bring the ball. You're of course you're gonna make the <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, you yeah. brought the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I think I, I, I yeah, I, I think the odd. I've gotten a few gigs. I got a few gigs back in the day because I had you the gear. Yeah, yeah, I knew a fellow alright. He had a, uh, uh, he's from out the whole way, and he had. He'd a really class stage, an actual oh, stage. Yeah. Fold up and it looked the business carpet. Right, and all. I know those he, jokes. Yeah, he bought it from again one of these music crowds or whatever, and it looked the business. Mm. And I think he may have had a PA system too. And he was pretty much on back five six years ago. He was on every gig, every gig I went to that was in a random place. He seemed to be on it. Yeah, yeah. And then it became apparent. It was like, oh, you've the gear. Yeah, and, yeah. Mind you, I, I have a feeling as well that. You, you tend to get dodgy gigs oh for, because you've got a PA. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're turning up to a place that doesn't have any gear at all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the questions have to be asked straight away. Like, how? Mm. And that was that was your ding dong Denny Den- car. I loved, was it, I loved yeah. him because he was so on PC. It was yeah, I know. It, it was. Um, well, it was. I suppose from his point of view. Yeah. You know his his thing was. Uh, you were doing everything from his point of view, so at least you you had the, <laughs> you could blame uh, him the excuse of blaming him. Yeah, <laughs> where it, did it he was, come from then? It it originated the, the, how it first came about was myself and Joe Rooney were asked. Do, do you remember this program, The End, on RTE? Yes, Barry yeah, Martin yeah, used yeah. To do and Barry asked us to. He used to ask various people to come up with things for the program, and we yeah. kind of came up with the idea oh, of a ballad group, and we just within a week we wrote some song and oh you were the we hairy bowsies the hairy bowsies yeah, yeah 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 and um and then we did that then we kind of got together a bit more and wrote more stuff a, a good chunk of what we uh, ended up doing with the thing for years we came up with over a relatively short space of time it was one of those things when the idea is there it sort of half writes yeah, itself yeah, yeah. you know and um and we were doing it and whatever it, it was very it wasn't really like it became it was kind of a bit mad and a bit all over the place and I, I can't really remember what happened then we stopped doing it but I can't remember whether Joe got busy doing something or I got busy doing another band or yeah. another thing or something and then we just stopped doing it and then um, I was doing this ABBA tribute band then. Actually, oh, yeah. Yeah, ABBA-esque, uh, which was oh, probably yeah. my most successful in terms of uh, earning. I mean, it just took off this thing. Myself and my brother did it. And uh, and it just took off. And we're gigging like 27 gigs in in a month, you know. Driving Jesus. and humping the gear and the whole thing. And, and uh, eventually I gave it up. But I, I was nearly driven mad. Um... Because I was miming keyboards in that basically for two years, you know, and uh, why are you miming keyboards when you can clearly play? We had, all, uh, we had all the keyboards on um, back and track, you know, okay. so it was yeah, very yeah. complex back and tracks, and no one was really using back and tracks then, you know, it was partly live, partly back and track, yeah. using a click track and all this kind of thing, and so we really put a lot of effort into getting it pretty slick, yeah, and uh, so, but anyway, um. Eventually, just sitting in the van night after night, I nearly went mad. So I started writing a whole load of ding dong songs. <laughs> I, well, actually, there was a program on Radio Ireland, which was now today. Um, they used to get me in to do ding dong, and that kind of got me back into it a bit. And then I started writing more songs for it, and uh, eventually, more or less, 
largely, I think, in the back of the van, I wrote the Ding Dong album, really. And, uh, and then went in and recorded the thing, you know, and my brother was on the bass and various people were in these bands that Lamb Tarts were playing on the album. And then right. the guys from Keela ended up putting really? all what I might have called the diddly oyster on it. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant musicians. She's like, and yeah. like, I mean, you know, they came in for one night and they put all the, you know, every traditional instrument on <laughs> in about two hours. <laughs> you know, one take. In fact, I almost remember there was one guy, um, uh, Russell Snowdig, and, and he, he seemed to be almost putting two things down at the same time yeah. at one point, as far as I can remember. I think he had the spoons and something else. <laughs> he and was so Irish. It was, like, it was like, my God, multitasking, Christ, I, you know. <laughs> you know, but anyway, yeah, but that, that, so that was... And then, like, so I kind of then basically took the character I had, Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly, and Joe was Scribbler O'Donoghue, and I kind of just brought it back out and brought the album out and Joe is on the album as well so he came in and sang on the tracks that I had written with him I got him to be sort of doing a double act on yeah, them yeah, you, know, yeah. you know and so but then I kind of relaunched it but I kind of thought a lot more about it and got the look and the idea and it was a lot more a satirical second time round it was more about you know uh, nationalism and all of that of course stuff, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and uh so and it was you know and obviously all that was going on in Ireland at that time was before the Good Friday Agreement so it was very much in people's minds you know yeah um, I think that was one of the things when I brought it back I had to change it again when I started doing the comedy clubs because young people in the comedy clubs didn't really know that. anything yeah. about that which seemed surprising to me but like you know it was like yeah right whatever <laughs> like you know you know but when I had been doing it whatever number of years earlier, like it was very much like, you know, almost taboo, you know, some of the stuff. Okay, you know. right, yeah, 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 it's the other side of it, right? Mm. And they, I mean, is it because I know you did, uh, you did some of your videos and stuff, and it was, I was often looking at it like, because mm. going, you should be, I mean, you, I suppose this is where the artist in you probably comes, it can be a failing because. You, you see lads that are internet sensations and all the rest of it, and it's they're only internet sensations because they're pumping out content massive mm-hmm. amounts of content they're able to turn out oh, one of yeah, these things yeah. I know once a week YouTubers. and mm. but if, or twice a day my son there's Dan TDM who does he does two a day two I think a day he earns about five million a year or something this young English guy my son is obsessed with them <laughs> actually but, but this, mm. this, this is what I'm saying is that it, you could nearly where at what point do you go all right do I just pump out any old shite, mm. or do I go once a month and I put one out? Like you know, this yeah. is the this is the dangers of it, isn't it? Because yeah. you couldn't. I suppose you have to understand the medium, which I can't say I do. I no. mean, I look my son, who's ten. I mean, he he streams his own videos and of all the does. rest, yeah. and and like he understands this world. And you're looking. I mean, who saw that coming? Lads Nobody saw five that million a year playing computer games and talking about it. <laughs> you know, I cannot wrap my head around it. You know, if you think you can predict the future, like, <laughs> but this, yeah, you, you know, couldn't, you couldn't have spotted that anyway. I know it's because uh, just talk about lads who, and it's purely off, uh, uh, even that that side of things. But just like there's, I've interviewed a few like what would be known as internet sensations, right, okay. and 
they've gone on to stage shows then these would be comedians I suppose would they, they would yeah. but they would have done next to nothing in yeah. clubs prior to their okay. online character and then mm. all of a sudden you're selling Vicker Street brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain maybe you think they're just part of getting older but Midi Health understands that for women over 40 they can all connect to menopause it's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience not just hot flashes MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Yeah. It's a fun, but right, yeah. What, what, what balance do you find? I wonder, like, you know, can you all, to be too good for your own good? It's mm. what, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying, like. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously the nature of it seems to be that it you do it very regularly and maybe it has that slight, you know, we don't watch television, but we watch the Champions League. I think the streaming yeah. in particular, I think there is that idea, whoa, it's live, or anything might happen. I I'd suppose, yeah, 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 thing, yeah. I yeah. suppose, but I mean, someone like me, can't really pretend to understand it. I <laughs> really, if I did, I wish I did understand it because uh, you know, even even from the point of view of how you actually get people to watch, I, I think if you're a certain age as well, yeah, people of your age aren't doing this thing really. Yeah, well, that's so a, yeah, yeah. You need to be, whereas yeah. people their age are. You'd be you guaranteed know, so, there's other ten year olds loving it, like you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I like yeah, he he does have people who watch it. You know, I mean, it's very much he's just started doing it but it's kind of an interesting thing because he like he goes on and he makes his own titles and all this kind of thing it's kind of interesting to see it and he bought a green screen for himself really <laughs> yeah for about a tenner on amazon he bought a green screen Fair this play. Was, you know but uh but uh, you know it is it is and i am fascinated with the, that you know it's just it's all going thing. that way i mean telly is and they watch they watch youtube even my youngest daughter is a she watches a guy called guava juice who basically his main thing seems to be filling a bath up with stuff and <laughs> sitting in it like with this, sweets or something or slime or whatever like it's the the one that that i, I, I at least you're doing uh, the one that that uh when i got this recording device i went mm. do you know what i'll do now i've 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 learned that there are tutorials of everything you need to know on youtube yeah let's look at it Oh yeah, I learned all about recording music from watching tutorials on YouTube. The University of YouTube. But what mm. what I noticed was there was, it was there was one called it was uh, it was titled Unboxing the H Two Zoom. Oh went, yeah. All right. Okay. So, 
And that's all it fucking was, was him yeah, taking think, it out of a box is, and telling you, and you hear you say, and all he's doing. I think there is a whole thing of unboxing, that's what, that's They what, unbox loads of things. I, then I just, <laughs> I was talking with a mate of mine, uh, Richie Hayes, he's not a singer, like he's, he's a, and he, he's very good with visual effects and stuff mm. like that, but he does a lot of panto and I've worked in the panto and yeah. stuff. He's going, oh, come here, he says, the young has more YouTube followers, and the young only about four has more YouTube followers than I do. And he says, I've been singing for 35 years. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, he's, yeah. and his kid unboxes toys. Right, Takes okay. a toy out and goes, and says something about how it... Uh, just. Uh, I know, it is funny. And and kids love shit being taken out of a box. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, there's all sorts of... It's funny that, yeah, my eight-year-old, and she... I don't even know how she discovered these people, like this guy, Guava Juice. There was a guy, Zach King, Right. Who I'd actually been watching this guy t- learn, trying to learn this program called After Effects, which is an Adobe program. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how they do film titles and this kind of thing with it. And, uh, but then I noticed he does all these magic tricks online. He's a whole other life as this guy doing, like, they're doing with things like After Effects. Like, it's actually, they're really, they're actually really good, I would have said. Zach King's things. You wonder, do, but, did our parents look at us? At a certain point, and have that same feeling going. Oh, I know, minded. Haven't haven't a bollock mm. of notion what's going on there. Well, mine, yeah, like I, I suppose me growing up, rock music, long hair, all that stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was like just a mystery to my parents. Like there was a <laughs> serious generation, like what they used to call yeah. the generation gap, was a real thing then. You know what I mean? It was like, like even in our school, I, I, I there's always a story I, I tell about our. I yeah I suppose I better be careful how I say it, but this Irish <laughs> brother that we had who was, um, he he certainly he loved the Irish language to uh, an an extreme degree. He was probably a uh, probably the Osama bin Laden of the Irish <laughs> language. He, he was uh, he was a fundamentalist. He, he was a fundamentalist squealgore. <laughs> oh, big time! Like, and he told us. In fact, when we were leaving in the summer, he did tell us in Irish uh, that if uh, if we forgot about Irish when we left, uh, when we ever out that gate in the summer, that we be we were nothing but slaves. <laughs> you know? And that how the Israelis freed their minds first, and then their country. <laughs> <If we, laughs> It was uh, <laughs> these would be the lectures we would get, but he, but there was one day in the class he used to have this one of the as he w- he would have seen it. Uh, this was sort of the carrot, the stick was the main uh, yeah. approach. But uh, every Friday afternoon we'd have a double Irish class where we'd have quizzes and the like. Oh, so and much was, fun, <laughs> yeah, in Irish. Uh, and uh, he was so a mad Republican as well. He'd get annoyed if you called the IRA the IRA. They had to be called Hoagley Nehera. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I like this to be, he, he'd smack someone across the face for this. Like, um, and, uh, then there was, <laughs> and then he had this thing where he said, uh, um, there was a, in the quiz one day, there was somebody asked the question, uh, oh, uh, what? What place? Where was um, the keyboard player from Roxy Music, um, Brian Eno? Where is he from? Yeah. And someone says, "Oh, uh, he's from he's from England," and the answer, "No, he's not. He's from space." (laughs) 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 Apparently, at that time, Brian Eno apparently was saying that he was uh, an immigrant from space. (laughs) So, but it was like the look on his face. It was like. 
the world, you know, it was like, his face <laughs> sunk. It was like, as if the world's gone crazy. Why am I even bothering to teach? Yeah. <laughs> you just like, I would hear it cracking inside life. his head. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Judging, like, yeah. My, it's, yeah, it's just one of these, uh, <laughs> one of these things, like, yeah, you know where you these moments where you just see, like, <laughs> you could see a man questioning all his life choices. Like I think I think we were I suppose at least we were preconditioned to not be shocked by just about anything. Well, I suppose yeah. I, I was I was into the punk thing, mind you. Before punk, I was into this thing macrobiotics, which what's uh, that? It was a it was it was a big thing uh, for a period in the seventies, and it was you ate according to uh, yin, yin and yang uh, and all this kind of thing. And okay, the foods were divided up according to yin and yang. I saw that last week there was some macrobiotic cult in Italy. <laughs> really? <laughs> big, yeah, uh, but it was it was it was fairly it was fairly extreme. Like, and you were supposed to stir the pot anti-clockwise. So, uh, I, I a bit of a mad period. How long did that last? two years I think really and then punk came along and rescued me from that uh, particular because uh, you had a successful obsession. punk band though hadn't you it was it, it wasn't successful really but it was uh, it, it was, managed it, to get it had a claim anyway, around yeah. yeah there was this there were these guys who live in Australia now and there was this gang in town basically who were a gang of young fellas in the late 70s who were who were the young, the punk guys around town, but mm. and they and they said they had this band called Skank Mooks, and great name. They, none of them at that time could play, and I came along and a friend of mine, How do you and have I started a band? hanging out in town. How do you have a band? They just have a name, and they'd be spraying it up on the wall and all. But this, you don't and, have, and they'd be telling everybody about <laughs> it. I mean, they were they were great bunch of blokes brilliant like, they PR laugh and all yeah and they had to push it away into having a band and not actually be able to play you it. know and they would have been in talking today fanning in the club I mean it was a very small scene right yeah yeah then. you know like there was it was sort of a moment really where suddenly people who hadn't a hope in hell of yeah doing music were able to get in there and <clears throat> and so then I came along and basically there would be these gigs where they'd get supports and like it was literally say Okay, you play that note on the bass, <laughs> and I'll play this on. I'll play the guitar over that, and the fellow who played drums, who became actually a fine drummer, he's playing with uh, the Trouble Pilgrims now, who are All basically right. the Radiators from Space, or you know, it's a sort of that bunch, like yeah. now. So he's off playing, doing very well with them now. But but this was his first drum kit. He just bought the drum kit, but he kind of got the knack pretty quick and. But the rest, and then the, then at one period you just have guys talking over this and all the rest. We played, there was one gig we played in the St. Anthony's Hall, which um, is kind of well known. You two were supposed yeah. to play it, but uh, they, they they wisely pulled out of it. The Virgin Prunes played it. Uh, right. Yeah, and there was a, a whole bunch of people backstage, you know, to, but it was in this place, St. Anthony's Hall, up near Blackhall Place or something but it was kind of crazy I mean there was a f- someone lit a fire in the middle of the park <laughs> and they were throwing, throwing light bulbs at us for whatever reason which was understandable in fairness <laughs> given how bad we were but uh, and then I think <laughs> I, I think um, I just know that the vibe of the gig mm, I think Gavin Friday's trousers ripped uh, <laughs> revealing all in the middle of the gig as well beautiful you know but it was uh, but it's regarded as a seminal m- m- moment by certain people who well, were around but hardly anyone there nobody else was doing it though do you it know what I mean like? we used to hang around in this shop called No Romance which is 
the sis two of the sisters of Johnny Fingers from um, from the Boomtown Rats owned this yeah. shop, and uh, so so everybody who was in punk hung around there all day, near enough, you know. Right. And uh, so, but this was where the gig was hatched, the idea for it. And uh, when there was some guy who was a bit of a heavy kind of a guy who was going to do security, <laughs> and um, the guys, you know, who were who were, you know. Two, uh, two wimps like me, really, you know, that way, like these. Are, and your man says, oh, I can't do that gig. Uh, you'll have to take care of the security. Look, there's a gun. <laughs> what? Hold on. Like, and apparently he handed them a gun in case things got out of hand. And <laughs> I'm <laughs> what the hell? I'm not taking that. <laughs> you know, we can't do that. A there fucking was, gun? Apparently, I don't know. I didn't see this gun. Where was out. the gig? It was in this place, St. Anthony's Hall. Um, and uh, it Jesus was kind Christ. of famous. but there was some guy who used to come to the gigs as well and I think one or two of the Virgin Prunes they worked in an abattoir there was a few of them right. worked in an abattoir right. and your man used to bring bits and pieces of uh, home from work like <laughs> <laughs> you know like eyeballs and whatever and he'd be throwing these around the place as well <laughs> <laughs> you know so um, what the yeah, wow. it was kind of mad. I, I, I would have been... I probably... My interest in Bunk was probably... My main interest in it was probably I wanted to be able to dress up like David Bowie or something. Okay, yeah. On. Like, that was... That was probably my excuse. What age were you, roughly, when... Uh, you were... Must be very young. I was probably... I was probably about 20, you know. Right. Which is probably what most people were, really. You know, maybe 19, 20, you know. Like, all of those... The Sex Pistols and all yeah. these... I'd, been around their age really you know that kind of so when you see a movie like um have you mm. seen have you seen killing bono uh i haven't seen it i know about it i ha- I, I know your man who wrote it well i don't know him very well i met him a couple of times yeah wh- whatever it'd be mm. up yeah you'd look at that and i'd go ah right you fuckers lifted some of my stories but it looks at things because it sounds that and uh it was kind of mad it was a bit wild what Dublin was kind of wild it was very dangerous as well i mean was he used it? to go to this place, the Magnet, up on Pier Street. But she'd be terrified. There'd be lads, like, from the flats on Pier Street yeah. would be wanting to give punks a hiding. So I used to leave early before the main. But, but various ones would have been attacked on the way home. Jeez. You know? Yeah, I, I, and I can remember. I remember being very envious of this the crowd. Like, you 2 and the Virgin Prunes, they all had a light ace van or a high ace van. Yeah. And so they'd arrive... They were kind of posh, really, you know. Yeah. And uh, they'd have all these clothes they got in London, whereas we oh, couldn't right. afford to go over. Yeah. So you'd be, you'd have sewn on lightning streaks onto the back <laughs> of your jackets and spraying your your runner silver and all this kind of stuff. So can you on. remember you two at that stage? Like? Yeah, yeah. I saw you two uh, in the Dandelion twice, and I saw them in whatever, uh, the Project Arts and... Various places, you know, because it was a small little scene, yeah. so you would have sort of seen the various ones playing like that, you know. So and uh, and McGonagall's was kind of a place, but you know, um, so yeah, like they would have been around. I mean, Bono used to hang out in that shop, No Romance, and uh, I mean, he was he, he was very kind of extrovert. My memory of him was that he was very enthusiastic and you know, very ple- actually very pleasant, yeah, you know. 
and uh, the edge seemed kind of quiet and very pleasant. I mean, I didn't know them particularly well, but you know, they were just around the scene. But Bono would have been chatty to everybody, of course, and all yeah, that yeah. type of thing, you know, and uh, that kind of, you know. But um, it was, uh, but it kind of, it became very uh, what. Well, it became very violent, really, as well. It got very dangerous. I had to stop going into town because there was this bunch called the Black Catholics that used to go to all the gigs, and they were kind of heavy punk stroke skinheads and kind of getting in. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. To that, and there was a racist element to some of them and all this kind of thing, you know, and... Like, but they were attacking people at gigs and they were... And I got attacked at a gig uh and like it'd be all as soon as sham 69 had come on they'd be in the middle of the floor and everyone else would have to get off (laughs) the dance more or less was them kicking each other as far as i can see (laughs) but uh and uh and i and i and of course it is quite funny to say sham 69 because apparently i think he near enough stopped the band because he knew he actually hated all that and yet they became the band too who were you know synonymous yeah, yeah yeah you know and uh but yeah but it became trouble I remember seeing Stiff Little Fingers first gig down in the south you know and it was yeah. in Moran's Hotel which was a hotel on kind of Gardner Street there near, right, yeah, yeah. near Talbot Street kind of but I remember after the gig they actually there was it was kind of mad because they kind of said you're not allowed to dance up the front anyone who wants to jump around you have to go into that part in there it was this little <laughs> section of, that's the jumping section in there, there and right. they were in there but they kicked a wall down, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept kicking it. Jesus so, Christ. And uh, then, but on the way home, then they just were breaking windows in all the shops and in the cars. And you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be arrested. <laughs> I'm going to be, oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, it just all got a bit, kind of. And there was a sort of a split in it. The the blousy lads like me, <laughs> we were we were one side of this uh, thing. <laughs> you know, and the other lads... And we wonder then uh, why our parents couldn't understand. The, yeah, you two the, would be very much on the blousy side of things. I mean, it was funny that in a way they became because when you two would have played, that there came a period where you two would come on. You two are posers. You yeah. two are posers, and all these lads would be shouting up at them. You know, as if, you know, we were all bloody posers. Like, you yeah, know, like what, you know. But of course, I suppose music was deadly serious at right at that point because it was, well, it was the o- it was the only really good outlet, and I suppose breakaway from well, the previous generation, wasn't it? Well, like music was, and it was equally important for them, you know. In fact, maybe even more so, you know. Like music defined us in those yeah, days. Yeah, I think yeah. if someone, I that's I think what is hard for people of my generation 
to fully get into our heads that music doesn't matter in the way it did then. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, seem you know, to. It defined us, like, you know, who you listen to. And if you considered yourself, say in the early 80s, like when we would have felt like we didn't fit in, like the well, Ireland seemed to have a very much a mainstream society, you know, people who, yeah. who were like, and we were not able to fit into that, felt insecure. And so we wore, you know, we wore our stupid hairstyles and mad clothes and whatever. So, but, the you know, we'd have been into these, whatever, Joy Division and God knows what. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. romantic thing, even when that came in. And, you know, but but we defined ourselves. It was all, all right up until, like, I think it started to kind of wane in the 2000s, did it? Because even it through did, the 90s, really. it was Blur Oasis. Yeah, you know and what then I mean? the Radiohead, I, I think. Yeah. It, it, was that the swan song Radiohead I often think it yeah, was you might like, be right, actually, yeah. like it was so brilliant that uh, those you know like okay computer just seemed so brilliant but like was that, some people said that was the end yeah, of the album in a way it was the last of the CDs really and uh, after that then the streaming thing and all of that or you know whatever the pirating really before the streaming you know and it seemed yeah that could be jeez I, I never really thought about that That's that yeah. could have been the turning point of it Like I remember when we were gigging like with the bands in the early 90s like you know it'd be Radiohead playing Radiohead and Bill Hicks CDs in, yeah. the, in the van that was kind of it and ran you know and it was almost and of course Radiohead were Bill Hicks fans and they they mention Bill Hicks on their album all yeah. this kind of thing yeah, yeah. and yeah uh, you know, so it was a, there was that funny time, and even the Bill, when you think of Bill Hicks as a comedian, it's all rock music, me yeah, and this, and yeah, yeah. you know, and you know, and you know, blood, you know, you know, the great bands all took loads of drugs type stuff. Of course, and, yeah, know, yeah. But I mean, he died like a rock star too. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? He went out like a rock star. He <laughs> yeah, smoked well, on stage, and yeah, well, this was it, and yeah, you know, so it's a funny thing, but I mean. You know, I, I, you know, in saying that, it did define us. But I can, but I, I sometimes I look at these YouTubers and I kind of think, you know, for my son, yeah, that's who they aspire yeah. to be. I, that's, I mean, we aspire to being rock stars, I suppose. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever, all these different people, the punk ones, or even Robert Plant and these people, like or whatever, you know, yeah, these were people you aspired to being, or, uh, but now I guess it's. That strikes me with youngsters that that may be a thing, but I don't. I don't think there's that rebelliousness in there. The isn't no now kids as a thing, or they do. There definitely isn't. I don't think because, but I suppose it's. I think it's there's just, a good side to it. Maybe it really they say is. that it is. Maybe you well, know. Although I don't think my father was distant, but you know that idea. They were saying that this idea of fathers talking to their son. You yeah. know that idea. This thing of the sons and the fathers falling out, and you know. That yeah. that seems to not happen so much nowadays. You Possibly, know, that, but I, I think there's just probably there's just a diverse amount of things for kids to be into because you can guarantee there, true, yeah. there are like there was probably only sports and music. You know, really through, there was, right yeah. up to the, the, the mm-hmm. late nineties, there was sports and music. You were one or the other. It it's pretty true. You know, yeah. I mean, the internet did change. I I can remember in the nineties saying to people like. You know, I know that the world has changed and all of the rest of it. Mm. But to be honest, it sometimes feels to me like I remember when I was young in the very early 60s, you know, I said my memory of that is almost like it was black and white then. Right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was like Ireland was like the 30s. All the men wore black suits. Yeah. And, you know, 
and Ireland. It just seemed like it was grey. And then I said, you've no idea how... Like, I don't think the swinging 60s ever happened in Ireland, really. It doesn't seem but like it, no. When glam rock, we were into glam rock in the early 70s. The difference between 1972 and 1962, it was almost like you could have said... Who's the first fella in Ireland, I wonder? Who's the first fella to pull that trigger and get on a set of platforms? Like, you know what I mean? Or yeah. You know... Yeah, I, or try, wear makeup like who was the first there was very few people really wore makeup I, to be honest the w- one person that I can remember this guy Steve Averill who ended up designing sleeves for you too he'd be older than me and he's in that band the P- Troubled Pilgrims now but he was in the Radiators when he started right. he, I remember him when I used to go into town in about 1973 and he used to look kind of like David Bowie or something okay, like that yeah, but he yeah, was yeah. like the only one and he wore there was a shop called Just what was it called actually I, Justin Lords, I think I might be wrong about that, but it used to sell platforms, you know, whatever four inch platforms. <laughs> and I used to look in the window, a little confused in ways, you know. But I was mad into glam rock, but yeah. there was no question I was going to be dressing like that. <laughs> I mean, the main outfit around my area was boot boys, who were kind of like long haired skinheads, really. Right, you know? okay, and, yeah, uh, yeah. They might have had something to say if they saw you in makeup, or it's <laughs> suffice <laughs> to say. You know, and yet they were all into Turned the up looking like Noddy Holder, like her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, um, but it was funny, like, um, yeah, punk, uh, or sorry, um, yeah, but Ireland, like, I sort of said, yeah, but it's 1972, and when I used to, you know, in 1975, 76, I said, in, in the 90s, the world doesn't feel very different from the 1970s. I mean, people yeah. had long hair and they wore flares and blah, 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 which were kind of fashionable in that time in the 90s, that grungy thing. And yeah. yeah. And I said, yeah. like, if you walk through Ranelagh or at Mines, really, it didn't look very different to what it looks now. Whereas 1962 to 1972 was like, as I said, you were transported by 100 years. But I think since then, it, it seems to me everything has changed yeah, with the yeah, internet yeah. and I love all of that you know and you know s- the streaming and just being on YouTube and television sort of yeah now almost you know it's in well, big trouble it's had to take a back seat like realistically yeah. because when you can walk around mm. with your favourite videos immediately in your pocket like you know yeah. it's I mean we in our house are like seem to be obsessed with computers I have this yoke which uh, you know what I mean and I'm on that all day really and like but the kids are uh, obsessed with computers my yoke yeah. who's into all the gaming he'll have a laptop on his knee and he'll be watching the PS4 on the television or whatever nearly an iPad on the other side you know that's yeah. like and but like because I'm into all that you know to me what I love about this time like I have Pro Tools I, I have Final Cut Pro for, I can edit film I can do titles for with whatever programs you have and all these plugins you can make your own album here in the house which I did do uh, this album I did this year electronic album I did the whole thing in this room I kind of wow you know like I using whatever you know soft synths inside a computer and you know sample libraries and you know, I did it here. I mastered it here. I have mastering software. Mother and, you know, and that's so... For someone from my generation, that was the dream. I mean, Incredible. to go to a recording studio was, like, ridiculously expensive, you know. And you're doing this down, down the garden. you can do it here, yeah. Like, it's kind of... You know, like, I've talked to other fellas. One guy who's actually very successful 
TV, you know, composer. Um, and he said, and I, I was sort of, because I've been getting more into that kind of stuff and, you know, I, I said to him, you know, ask and his voice, advice and stuff like that. And he's, you know, and I, I'm saying, like, what's the story? He says, well, you know, like, we're not really using orchestras. It's, you know, 10 grand to have an orchestra doing this stuff. You know, most TV... Uh, stuff that's out there now is done by lads like you and me in sheds at the end of their garden. I have a shed at the end of mine. <laughs> you have a shed at the end of yours. Unbelievable, isn't it? And you know, and that's where it's done. And you know, yeah. But even even then, the studios now are smaller as well. You know, you like I remember watching the Amy Winehouse, Winehouse video, and you're looking and like it, it. The studio she was in recording that first album looked like. It was sort of almost at the back of a house somewhere. You know, it wasn't like Abbey Road or somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, and you and I saw Trevor Horn in some studio. They were doing a hit and it, it, it looked about twice the size of this here. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Kind of, this is the way it goes. And the guy who did the stuff for Robbie Williams, his studio was on a programme and we're talking a small studio where... Some, I'm sure now if they want to record bigger stuff, they'd go to a bigger room and, and I suppose or whatever, you know. It's but only really going to be benefited if you're going to film it. You know what mm. I mean? And physically show people that, okay, there's a big orchestra here, but if there's not, if nobody's ever yeah. going to get to see the studio then, who gives mm. a shit? If it comes out just as good, but this you know? Is it, yeah, it's, but that's, uh, it is a brilliant thing about our time that we're doing, I mean, that you can make it. Of course, trying to get idiot, people to pay any attention yeah, to it is when an idiot like me can seems. put together something. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah like, exactly. Well, this is what we're doing now. I mean, yeah, it's brilliant that, hope that could, could happen, yeah. really. You know, to the I'm point, sure there are people who will disagree on this particular occasion. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah fair play to you, lads. Well done, yeah. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's the great thing about podcasting. People don't listen mm-hmm. to it in the same way. This is it's mm-hmm. a whole different way of thinking. I find people don't listen to it like they listen to the radio or like they watch TV or how they they're mm-hmm. happy to have this and go along. It's almost like a voyeuristic kind of vibe where they go, "Okay, whatever the boys are talking about, I'm just going to listen in." Yeah. You rarely get, never really, do you get anybody complaining? No, oh, winch, that's good news because <laughs> it's like no, it's it's people have locked on. My, yeah. the way their brain is it's not a public service and also yeah. at any stage they can press pause and unsubscribe do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. so it's it's not like you're going you're ramming it on the neck or you're asking for you know uh, license mm. fee money you know what I mean so that's true I suppose yeah and there's yeah. there's if you know what I mean there's a couple of thousand people a week listen to this and all you ever get is like hmm. lovely job I you suppose you mentioned well, where I'm from there class it's not like you're saying anything mad or anything but libelous really but there is the idea that it probably feels a little more real yeah it feels like a conversation radio where yeah. you feel like you can't say that the little thing in someone's ear saying oh yeah well that's conversation there you know, oh man I mean I was uh, mm. like and nobody like that I've ever I've ever recorded it I don't think they've ever had yeah I don't think anybody has ever asked for something to be cut out I don't think right, so. Right, yeah, okay. And like they've said, oh, and you're like, trust me, nobody's mm. going to give a shit. It's a right. whole different, it's very, <laughs> like, because there's no agenda to my podcast either. It's not yeah, like, yeah. it's a political one and we're going to talk about, the, you know, mm. or there's a mate of mine who I talk about the whole time because he built my website, but he has a very successful one called Those Conspiracy Guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've met, I think I've met him. You actually, would have, Gordon. Yeah, yeah you would. Mm. At some stage you would have run into him. Fantastic mm. comedian back in his day. Like, very right. good musician. But um, 
he no they they do conspiracies and non conspiracies too but it's it's uh their stuff is is subject driven like so they could have area 51 mm. one, one. say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And then they may have David Icke. And it'll be a four or five hour comprehensive, but very funny the whole way through, but comprehensive. So there's facts being thrown out. So people do sometimes feel the urge to go, "Uh, I think you'll Mm. find every so often. But with me, because they don't, they've just listened to a chat. Better be careful. There is a friend of mine who uh, who does podcasts, but he review. They have a show where they review podcasts. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> How ironic! He's telling me, but, uh, has yeah, anybody ever reviewed his podcast? Uh, I haven't heard that they have. That's that's. Do. It's a good idea for a podcast. Myself and Patrick and John Caleri did, and uh, Barbara Bergen did um, a pod. We did a comedy podcast, which was a load of work actually, with with this friend of mine, yeah. Matt. Uh, and um, you know he did a great he did a great job of it, but that but but really putting a sketch show together is not really podcasting isn't the medium for it. Cause it's not it's just no. too labour intensive. You unless know. unless you could perhaps get a you know if you had a sponsor on board, yeah. or if you could blast it all out one day, yeah, and release it over maybe six episodes or something you like did that. Kind of do that, but. Uh, you know, it's just so hard to get. Uh, sure, come here. The only reason why I'm mm. doing like I've no real agenda to go down anyway. I mean, mm. but um, I see the work it takes once you have an agenda yeah, or you have okay. a team. Mm. I can't with between gigging and everything else. I this is just more. This is way so much handier. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's what I did. It is what the medium's about. It's a bit like the YouTubing as well. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you know, it has to be instant and it has to be simple to do. Like, I mean, I do my own videos here. You know, to some yeah. degree for some music that I've done, and you know, but the amount of work that I go into oh that. Now it is a bit of a labor of love, so I do it. But you know, uh, you know what I mean. Though yeah. it's kind of. You know, it's not the way to go ahead if you think you're going to be making money. Or oh, yeah, because like I've, I've filmed a few of these podcasts and stuff like that, and just for the crack, but, and if there was a funny story or whatever, maybe extract it from it. But even mm. but I suppose because I'm only learning on the go, it's mm. so slow and labour-intensive. And it, 
to what end I don't know because yeah. I'm getting far like far more hundred, hundreds more downloads and people physically listen to the whole thing and nobody's yeah. ever put their hand up and gone so I don't know nobody's ever put I'd love to see some footage of that guy you were chatting to nobody seems to be that excited by it so I yeah. don't know do I bother ever continuing with it yeah, you don't know, like yeah, because the the the, the YouTube thing seems to be more of one guy addressing the camera or two people addressing the camera. Yeah, which not I, really I, an interview I don't so think much. Yeah. Unless I, the only way I could do something like that is if I was doing something ridiculous, ridiculously yeah. satirical, or like pulling mm. the piss out of people. Given you know, uh, what would you call them? Like. Almost tutorial vlogs, like hi guys. So today mm. we're going to be. I, I the only way I could do something personally, I could live with, is if I was to do a total piss take to camera, like you know, mm. teaching people how to I don't know, fucking pick their nose or something, and and mm. knock a good two and a half minutes out of that. Yeah, it's the only way I could sit with myself. But that's that's yeah. somebody of my era too, like you know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny, but uh, it's just funny generally how the world moves on, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway? But my All wife, who's only a little younger than me, she does she does that for her company. Oh, yeah. right, okay. They, that's what they do. And she's mm. utterly comfortable doing it. She's like, no, no. I mean, of mm. course you are when it's your job and you, yeah. you're you selling products. You are physically mm. selling products. Like, But it's... Well, my partner's doing face painting now. So, in a way, and balloon modelling for... Oh, things. yeah, but yeah, yeah. What's the name of it again? It's, uh, Loopy La. Yeah, because I was uh, looking at him and it was like... LoopyLa.com is our website. But we put... The, you know like the website together and we made the videos we shot the videos in here I do shoot the odd thing in fact the yeah I noticed the green with, screen alright I was like Pat, that isn't an upturned snooker table about with it. Patrick and Joe were shot in here were Joe they? because yeah, yeah. the boys <laughs> they're right there they did uh, and uh, green they, screening did, um, they, did they do one the other day of Joe coming out as being a farmer yeah that's yeah, it yeah, yeah, that yeah. shot there and it was, I was <laughs> laughing because Pat yeah. has himself named as Tom the Tipperary culture mm. basically and I was like is that me, Pat? Mm. You could have you could have asked my permission if you're going to be me. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's got a thing about that because there was a thing, Patrick. Uh, there was a thing we were funny enough. We were there was one, we were talking about a script one time that we I think we even did a proposal and it was going to be these sort of new Garth Brooksy type farmers that you used to see at the mart with the little microphone. And we were saying, just Tom, <laughs> and you know this stuff and yeah. everything. You know, probably on the slide, because Tom will be able to tell us all this yeah, yeah, inside yeah. knowledge about uh, cattle and stuff. <laughs> I, actually, I was I, just for a laugh. I went to a market the other day, and it's worth going to because it's so mm. out of because I've I've been living in cities for years, from more than half my life. But you, mm. so sometimes it's good to you know yourself going to see anything. It, you, it's like going on holidays. It's mm. that diverse to what you and I see on a daily basis. Yeah, it's worth popping into a mart in some local town. On they're always on Thursdays. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing. Them I'm not joking right. with you. It's just the interaction of. It's all blokes. There's just very few women. It's <laughs> yeah. you know as gender you balance. Uh, no, there. I mean, I can imagine how it'd yeah. be. <laughs> I don't think women would want to be at this, like you know, but it. Now there are some. A lot women of the things though. that are left uh, that where there's a gender imbalance. I, yeah. I, I think Probably women should be thankful. Absolutely, that's the thing. You <laughs> I have to say, there'll be there'll be. Mind you, the game shop in town. I've I noticed this shop called Game where they paint soldiers and have the game. Serious oh, yeah. gender imbalance there. Yeah, and I'm guessing <laughs> the know, lads uh, in there don't want that imbalance. They probably want some technology more and music as well. Seems to be there's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bit a bit of a way to go to. But uh, you know what? They address the imbalance yeah, there. Do you know what? I'm sure it could be addressed in the morning. But there comes a point where some of these things, women are like. 
No, you're great. You're great. <laughs> you can hang on to that shit, actually. <laughs> if I had to go in and smell mm. cows' holes for two hours, no, no, you're absolutely mm. fine. I'll, I'll stay doing what I'm doing. Cause, but it was, it was just the... But just like that, it would blow your mind just mm. to stand in and just see how... If you watch people for people, like, and just see mm. the environment inside there and how... It's, and it's not half as blokey as you think. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. actually... It's not as intimidating as you think. And it's not because I, because they didn't know who I was or what I was. Yeah. It was just out of nosiness. I went in there like, and I just started asking about one bloke was selling a bunch of chickens. Yeah. And I was, and he's the, the nicest bloke, you know, but mm. it was so different to what yeah, you'd normally imagine. see. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see. I mean, I'd be classic, uh, grew up in Dublin. Both my parents are from Dublin. Where are you from in Dublin? I you grew knew Clonsky originally? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Millmount Terrace is where I grew up, this place. It's on the Dundrum Road. Yes. Near Word Avenue for anyone who knows. Windy Arbor, sort of between Milltown and Dundrum, sort of yeah. that kind of. My parents now live in Dundrum. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of where I grew up. Uh, I don't I, I don't know if it, there's... It's not exactly... More it's not a rough part of, of, of Dublin. It's a nice it was, part of Dublin, it, though, isn't it? It is now. It, I mean, it was kind of one of these... I mean, they were a terraced house, so it was kind of a working-class road. Right. Which it had yeah, this yeah. sort of mixture of aspirational working-class and sort of others, and we probably fell into that category. Right. But that did mean you were... You know, there was certainly a, a, a clash there, you might say. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. You, Your wing mirrors and wipers would be snapped off. Like Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah because you lost... Because you, you lost the running yourself a bit. So there was that... And I was sent to a kind of... No, it was the Christian Brothers, like... But I was sent to a Christian Brothers school in sort of Mount Marion, you know. So that was pretty middle class. Like, that was that very was, If it was in Mount so Marion, was, it was certainly middle class. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I would have been... De- I know there was a good lot sort of from around my area you would have got the bus out to that school you know unfortunately the 86 bus was the one we used to have to get and it was often late which resulted in you getting a bit of a beating like so <laughs> so uh, yeah as well as probably having a troubled attitude towards the Irish language the CIE yeah. is probably I'm, I've got a damaged <laughs> relationship with that as well <laughs> but, uh, but yeah so so I had this kind of thing, I, a bit of middle class, a bit of working yeah. class in there. And, uh, you know, but there was a kind of a mix in the area because Burge Avenue was near us, which was very middle class. And then there was Mulvey Park and Columbanus, which were kind of, right, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. council estates. And um, and so you mixed with both. And our youth club had a mixture, which was quite healthy, actually, yeah. for all concerned, I think, you know. And, uh, you know, but... There was, yeah, I don't know if there's anyone that wasn't in there, you know, wasn't many people there who would have been in the media. I believe one of the guys who grew up on our road is an ambassador. Uh, really? Yeah, for our, yeah. Uh, Giving some, out Ferrer Rocher everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> in some, I think in some Eastern Europe, European countries, so the Irish ambassador. So that was, that was obviously pretty impressive. Uh, but Jeez. Yeah, you know, so he was from one of the But did he know that he grew families. up near Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly? Is there real? Is there oh, well, well, he would have just been down the road. I used to hang around with his brother, you know. Um, just try I mean, I, mean there were, I don't think there was anyone famous grew up on the road or anything like that, you know. Uh, and the other character, you had some other characters as well. You had Tony St. James as well. Tony St. James, yeah, that was one I used to do. 
we had the Joshua Trio, which was oh, this yeah. thing. Uh, I forgot about that, yeah. I was working in Hot Press, and myself, I used to work, Arthur Matthews, you know, who wrote yeah, Father yeah, Ted. Yeah. The two of us worked side by side. He was like the art director, and I was the art assistant. That's I used to do graphic design. That's what I did in college. Right. So, so that was like the best fun you could ever have, to tell you the truth. It was kind of mad, and there was a lot of other mad kind of characters who were This is in Hot Press. Yeah, when was like, this then? Uh, 1987 to 89, I think I worked in there. Right. Uh, there was George Bourne and Liam Fay and uh, Damien Corliss. These people yeah, were yeah, all yeah. part of the production room. And like, it was just, it, we were, mind you, it was, we were like children really, just <laughs> acting the Egypt, annoying annoying Niall Stokes who was extremely indulgent of us to be honest like the shit he put up with all of us now really <laughs> like oh was it continuously going to gigs and then going to work going like? to gigs and well you know you'd be going to gigs and going to leagues but just generally be fun it was I suppose that was the thing you were at an age all of your friends went out so when we did the gigs and yeah. we knew all the journals because so we did this thing the Joshua Trio We I used to just be singing you two songs in a swing style taking the piss <laughs> Arthur played drums and he says we should get together actually have a practice and just see what would happen with this yeah. and so we did and and then we made a tape of the rehearsal my brother played the bass for the first time he'd never played a bass before in his life right. and he played the guitar and, and he was jeez I think he was about 17 or something and so we did that and, and uh, then everybody was saying oh Jesus Jesus you should do a gig and then we did and 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 we were on the TV about two weeks later. Like, yeah, I remember. Having, on Nighthawks or something. So it was a bit like, because I suppose we were in the know a bit because we happened to be working in there. But it sort of all snowballed a bit, you know, and and we had to smarten up and get a bit better at it. So by accident you fell into... Yeah, and Graham Linehan used to be used to be doing characters in the gigs and he'd be helping write these. We used to have little scripts in the middle of it and, you know, like we had... <laughs> We had one where, we, we, one of the Christmas gigs, like we had this thing of, we were like the three wise men uh, going back uh, <laughs> to the baby Bono to give him gifts. <laughs> <laughs> A red guitar, three chords and the truth. And then we, then he lost the truth. <laughs> but I think Graham, Graham was the Joshua tree. Basically we had this duvet that... <laughs> Even that they were selling duvets with the Joshua tree on it, so Graham wore that. <laughs> and then Liam Fay was the baby Bono uh, in a cradle because he's Where very did you tall. Do this? It would be in the baggage in. I mean, this was this was a mad time. Sure, I mean, you know, it was. <laughs> you're just. You're, but yeah, the, the, just the best time. known thing was, I suppose, that I came in on a donkey uh, into the baggage in. Uh, like I did it three times I think people reckon it happened once but uh, it was one of those things we got a notion about and there used to be do you know the badass restaurant yeah it used to have this donkey they used to hire yeah. this donkey and it would go around town with a badass cart and I was where the hell would we get a donkey the badass donkey and this friend of mine he <laughs> traced it down he went up to a pub in Stony Batter and did a deal with this guy <laughs> Yeah, 40 quid, I'll pull up in a van, that's to pay for the van more or less. I'll pull up to the laneway and the bag it in at whatever it is, 9 o'clock, and uh, you get the donkey out and there you go. And so we did this, he rides along, 
we come along and we were basically going to get it in the fire exit on the slide because the fire exit wouldn't have set off alarms in those days really <laughs> yeah, wait, and wait, so wait. we were going to do it and we had the donkey and the bouncer saw the donkey and it was like no way I'm not bringing a donkey in here <laughs> no no way can you oh, imagine how fire you would be happen. right can now can you imagine how good this would be if you let it happen oh <laughs> Way, no way, and eventually, after various conversations, look, you'll have to run it by Charlie. Charlie was the owner. Uh, was of, it Chalk? Of, no, Charlie. Is he known to, no, he owns Jesus. the boat. Sorry. No, he, his brother owns the keys and go. God, what's his name? Jesus. I know who exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, and uh, your man says, put the donkey in the toilets. <laughs> So the donkey was left. This wasn't the toilets for me. <laughs> and the donkey went into the thing. And so, I like, you know, and I'd heard the story, and I couldn't believe it. I opened the door, and there was a donkey in the toilet. <laughs> and you're going, mean, what the hell is going on here? And uh, so, That's anyway. Class. And, and uh, to my uh, surprise, Charlie says, Yeah, yeah, she go. <laughs> so, in we go. <laughs> And as I know, I've told this story loads of times, but I found out that um, apparently there's more people in the world kicked to death by donkeys every year than die in plane crashes. Uh, <laughs> and I, I had a fear of flying. So I had this notion of the statistic as I'm sitting on the donkey in my head. So you are know. you plodding into the pub from yeah, the Jags? With on the, the, with the, the team from the, the Moses TV programme. <laughs> this is kind of like, In robes, would be one, know, that, had, that would be one of the greatest things. Somebody who didn't know it was about to happen. And was oh, yeah, the audience didn't know, and it was funny. I do remember them, like you know, mouths open, like you know, <laughs> just like, oh my god, oh my. you know, like really. <laughs> so, like, you know, it was one of those. You knew, you know, you knew when it happened. Like it was like, this is something I remember for the rest yeah. of my days. You know, you know, one wow, of those yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and after it even. I can't believe it. I was so delighted with myself. It was like I had won an Oscar or something. It was like, I did this. <laughs> like, you know. So what? Just to get an idea of the livestock mm. situation. So you you take it out of the jacks. Yeah. You lead it to the stage area. Yeah. Jump, you, you, jump onto it. Get up, get up on it. Get up on it. Hey, man. Whatever. I think he gave it a little, little smack on the arse. And in it went... And you're kind of thinking, and I think there was all this, so don't play the music too loud, don't, you know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. all right, donkeys are okay. <laughs> the next time we did it, I said, now be careful, and he's not, he's, he's a ginnet, he's not a donkey. <laughs> I, I still, <laughs> I still don't know what a ginnet donkey. is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what a ginnet is either, but I know mm. they're, I know they're, they're, they're not happy. You know what I mean? They're, oh, they're right, cranky. They're... So you definitely could have gotten kicked by a ginnet. <laughs> right, so. okay, yeah. They're seen by the tone of his voice, it seemed like yeah, extra care <laughs> don't, was required. Don't mess with the ginnet. So what, did you take it in? Walk around and take it back out? or did you... Yeah, just went in and I think then someone took... I got off it and then it was... There isn't a greater stage entrance that I've ever heard of in the world. And that includes no. boxers, everybody... Yeah, I heard of a guy that was some guy, a big artist who used to come in on a horse, all right, or did come in on a horse one time, and some, but not into somewhere like the Bag It In. I think that was like a festival or something. He'd come in, you know what I mean? The Bag It In. Yeah, like, the Bag It In. Yeah. Oh my God. Because and that badass, I think, is still open. It's in Temple Bar, isn't it? That's it. Is yeah. yeah she, Jesus. Yeah. I, I was. I was. Sure. I was doing gigs in it. It was the dark comedy night. That was day. that you? Was it? I was. I used to do gigs in it, but was that gig? I, I had realised at one time I used to be edgy, and uh, Christ Almighty, if I, with 
some of the material that was on that night. I might as well have been playing nursery rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which like, yeah, yeah. Some of it, yeah, there was, <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty scary material going on there. Yeah, I was in at one of the dark ones because was, it was on yeah. another night as well and they had, mm. and I was, and I was, there was an element of some of the stuff I was listening to was, all right, you were just angry. All right, right. Yeah, the way, yeah, there you're, was. You're, a, it was you're quite a, angry, so fair enough. Yeah. Shit, I came here to actually make people laugh with some some of my darker I mean, stuff. There was some good stuff. Ah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, like I like they they were going beyond what I was ever going to go. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, is, it wasn't really. I, that wouldn't have been. The, I didn't. I, I didn't do that kind of material, really. I suppose not. Really. I, in a kind of a way, I would say what I did wasn't on PC. In the sense, it was more like. You know about nationalism yeah. and stuff like this, and and religion and things like that. But not, you know, certainly I, you know, I certainly wouldn't have been doing rapey material or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, I'm not out of a sense. You know, it wouldn't be. So how do you make it funny? You know. Yeah, and I don't really have a desire. You know, I yeah. mean, I, you know, yeah, I think you I, to... I, I, I'm not into censorship, uh, uh, but I kind of, you know, I. I Happy enough that they would say it, but I kind of, you know, I, yeah, I don't think it's something I would feel like good that. about yeah. doing. Really, I, you know, I don't. Actually, as we talk about it, I didn't. It, it wasn't. I hadn't mm. popped into my head. We were talking about the great age that we live in and all the rest of it. But there are elements of us going sideways and backwards a bit. With it, you hear about your man that got. A, he's actually been convicted. Who your man with the pug? That. Uh, this is in the last, oh last yes, week. I did hear about that. I, I'm very, I'm very reluctant talking about some of that it's strange, gender politics though, isn't it? stuff. I, I, I well, don't he, like the idea of shutting down debate. I, I don't like I, the that's, idea. That's the thing. I, I think that, debate is actually like I, I'm, I'm happy to talk with people. I, I'm happy to hear people who have an opinion that I disapprove of. Yeah, but like, I think that's fr- people know, are frightened of actually um, of that nowadays. Well, well what's going to happen when? I mean, the right are, are the ones that ultimately will be more than happy that we're shutting down debate. You know, oh, yeah. when it's their turn to start shutting down debate, you know, we'll see. You know, God knows, you know. Well, I, you see, I, 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 when I grew up, I suppose, in terms of saying outrageous material, you know, I grew up when you, when any amount of things weren't allowed to be said. Of course, yeah. I mean, like, well, also on the subject, I mean, it's still illegal to say anything blasphemous in Ireland. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like Atheist Ireland play, you know, who's, well, Mick Nugent's a friend of mine, uh, you know, who's head of Atheist Ireland. But, right. like, I mean, they, they have one of my songs, um, The Ballad of Jesus Christ, uh, on the website as Here's a Blasphemous Thing. There's a bunch of stuff they have on to say oh, right. that it's blasphemous. And, like, you know, you should be able to be blasphemous if you want type of thing, you know. Yeah. And, um you know, like you know, in Ireland, certainly for many years, the one thing they would have wanted you to say, you can't criticize religion. You know, that would have been, you know. So I didn't think that was a very good situation. So, but I just, I'm very, I'm not very happy. I'm very troubled with shutting down. Yeah, because like your man, your by man... all means, argue with them and make these people explain why. Yeah. You know. You know, okay, yeah, mauling women in the workplace. Explain why that's a good thing. To yeah, do, of course. Thing, you yeah, know? yeah. But that's, you know, that's... and I, I would have thought, you know, it, it should be possible to show how obnoxious that opinion is. Or Pretty whatever. easy, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it, yeah. and that's the thing. I think, I think what it boils down to is that people are frightened to debate. It's like, yeah. why don't we all agree? It's like, 
We don't all have to agree. Yeah, a bit of an yeah. old row can be good. Do you know a bit? Yeah. a bit of a bit of an old set too. Like in yeah. hands afterwards, if we still agree to disagree or whatever. But it's good yeah. to have a bit of an old an old schmuzzle, verbal schmuzzle, like I think, anyway. Well, I, I would say it's probably cyclical, this, because uh, I've been around the block a couple of times, obviously, more than, well, I, I'm being modest, say, a couple of times, let's, <laughs> let's be honest here. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave know. you at a couple. <laughs> you, know. you can be any age yeah, you yeah. want on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, in the 80s, when I was in art college, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, it was very PC. Political correctness was very fashionable then. You know, okay. I can remember yeah, yeah, yeah. the Glam Tarts, this band we had at the Glam, our posters were banned in Trinity. And you, Why? Because uh, the word Tarts was seen as derogatory to women. Okay. All right. Then yeah. also, I, I did a poster, I remember, for... Uh, one of the end of year balls in NCID and I, I took this image from Gone with the Wind where this woman's coming down the stairs in a ballroom dress yeah. and there's this sort of silhouette of a guy at the door and that was basically pulled down saying it was showing the woman in a sort of subservient role the guy calling for her and her wow. coming down yeah you wow! Know. Wow! Now, that was a bit silly, really. I suppose, but yeah, but, but there was but, right now. You could totally see that. Yeah, that what you just said could totally fit into a new, yeah. uh, an online news article today. You know, well, well I mean, we have. I mean, we are. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat ambivalent because I think a lot of this stuff is kind of good. You yeah, know, yeah. No, there's no doubt that you know. I, I think it is great that now people with all different ways or different ways like transgender people I, I I think it's brilliant how, what, how the hell must that have been like in oh, hell. when I was 70s to be someone who you know was transgender you know it would be hell hell you know so hell. this idea that we have to show now you know that these people give them respect I think this is all great this is great this is, this yeah. is good stuff about our time but you know I remember in the 90s though the glam darts were playing the Trinity Ball. Like, right. you know, so we were on the Trinity poster. So, like, it turned around and then yeah, in the 90s, yeah. to be honest, which actually I think probably was some of it I didn't like. You know, all the lad mags came yeah, in nuts yeah, yeah. and all these things. And suddenly it was kind of cool to be on PC and, you know, and, you know, and some yeah. of what Ricky Gervais would have been about was, you know, although I did love The Office, the way he would show the hypocrisy of yeah. David yeah, Brent yeah. supposedly being PC. when It was all just amazing, you know, you know, him or her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, but but now it's kind of. You know, I think it's come round again, um, and you know, and what do I, you know, me too. Yeah, really, you know, for the most part, you know, I agree with all this yeah. stuff. And but my main thought, the main thing that would be good, you know, if me too, if there's going to be something good comes out, of it, yeah, there should be legislation to stop men putting. I think there should be legislation to stop fellas putting their arm around and their hand on women's legs in the workplace and all the rest of it. I mean, one of my sisters got harassed in the workplace and it was hell. You know, she was like yeah. really badly disturbed by it and couldn't there do is. a whole lot about it. Like, and, it and would, it every would. single day, this apparently would well, go that on. Going you know, on like, yeah. You know, and like, it, you would think, yeah, well, let's put in legislation and then, then we'd have something concrete out of this. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Because 
And what it would do mm. is it would separate the, mm. the like the innocent from the guilty. Do you know what I mean? If the mm. legislation's there, don't be doing that shit. Yeah. Don't be doing that shit. It's simple as that. And once you're not, you know. I mean, I've do- seen it. I know. I can imagine how it goes. Because, I mean, I, I, I think of, you know, like certain things you've worked on on film set. There's certain guys, and it seems, uh, you know, I'm uh, not one of these natural for them to put their arm around. I mean, I, I'm still yeah. of an era where when people come around and hug and kiss you on the cheek, I'm oh, actually, man. oh, gee, uh, you yeah. know, I, yeah, I'm yeah. uncomfortable with this. You know, I, I just can't do this. I'm gonna this tell is you, beaten out of me. I'm you understand tell you a con- that. A conversation I had with my, my parents the other evening, and this will actually, I did just as a throwaway, this is going to make you uncomfortable. We're talking about this guy who has a relation of a brother in law, of a relation of a relation. And, he just came up in conversation between the three of us and he went, oh, that guy, yeah. Such and such doesn't really, I don't know him, but such and such doesn't like him. He's a bit of a misogynist, like, you know. And mm. like, oh, right. And he goes, but that's, whatever about that, so my mother, it's, the last time I saw him, he kisses his adult children on the lips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. Whatever, I don't care what way you split your temper, mm. with a young child, okay, if that's, even for me, I, me personally, yeah, I, I, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah, either. Yeah. But, like, you, when your son's a bloke and you're like hey son mm. lovely to see you yeah. and it's a big snog going on like it's sort it, of there's sort certain of, things to be left yeah. in certain I, you know what I mean now there's people who are going to disagree with me mm. go everything should be okay okay well, you know <laughs> for me yeah, well, I, mean, I, I yeah I, I, well I, I kind of think there is a, you see I kind of wonder how, how do you legislate for I, I think you have to legislate I mean I, I was saying like there was a situation like a thing I was working on and there was a guy very nice bloke yeah. and everybody loved him and, and, and say all the women on the set loved him the gift of the gab a very nice guy right. nothing you know was married had a kid there was nothing but you know Whatever it was, he had this strategy to have his arm around, you know, various members of them. You know, they'd be sitting on his knee, you know, laughing and joking away. And yeah. wasn't but, but you know that there was someone else if they put their arm around it. I, I can imagine if I did it for a start, it would, oh, yeah. it would immediately say, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, for a start, I, you know, well, it's not going to happen really. But, but, you know, I think you have to have the rule in the workplace. Look. There's a rule in here and sitting yeah. on the knee and putting the arm around is out, look, and lads, it's clear. I don't care if it's co- if people yeah. are comfortable with you, but we can't really because the weird yeah. guy in the but corner then, who, 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 the who does side, it has then, a different idea about this. The other side, because I thought about it, and because theatres, and I'm new to theatre myself, hmm. um, but I've been kind of heavily involved with the, the University Panto down in Limerick the last couple of years, hmm. And that was, fuck me, an eye opener because you're going, wow, you, mm. this is a whole range of people I didn't know existed. Right, and it, it's yeah, lovely because yeah. I love putting myself in weird scenarios where I don't see these people. T- uh, but you want to watch all the dancers and how they behave, men, women and all the rest. Right. They yeah. lie all over each other like... Some- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Sort of yeah. crazy harem. There's no way they're gonna listen to that legislation. Yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? Because they're gonna. They, we're dancers. This is where we lie down yeah. on top. They lie on top of each other like like a family of cats. Yeah, Do you yeah. You know, and they're not going to. So yeah, I wonder. Yeah, it's like know. it's a tricky one. Yeah, it is. It's, a tricky it's not for you or me to write that legislation anyway. Yeah. I want to get onto uh, um, mm-hmm. Ikeno. Oh yeah, yeah. What a show. And I'm, I'm not a huge um, football fan, but I went to see that a couple of years back and I absolutely loved it. Right, yeah, you know, God, well, I mean, I'm very glad of it. I'll tell you, it kept, uh, kept me uh, brilliant, uh, going for a while, I have was, to say, was, as well. But, was, I mean, it was brilliant to do and everything. And How long did it take you to... Or what was the inspiration? Obviously, obviously Saipan. Uh, what were you seeing when you read when you, you knew the story was unfolding of Saipan? You were like, this is... Well, I mean, it was a good while after it happened. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. There was... There, I remember... I don't even know whether I there was a, at one stage I remember we were doing this show I think Looning Live was called on RT Radio myself and Arthur Matthews and there was a bunch of people in it but and another another guy Kevin Burns and we kind oh, of yeah. wrote most of the material really and Richard and people yeah. were in it uh, Richard Cooper and but. I remember I had one idea scribbled down on a thing, all right, about a supposed news item about a play. Um, They were going to do the Saipan instance as a musical, you know. And it was like, actually, yeah, how ridiculous that would be, like, you know, that this little musical society were doing this. I don't know if that's where Arthur got the idea, you know, because it was one idea that we had. Because it was like that was a couple of years earlier, and then, then Arthur sort of said, "I have this idea for a musical that we have this thing. It's like it's set in Roman times, yeah, yeah. and it's basically the Saipan incident." And it was Arthur, as a lot of Arthur's ideas, they come fully formed, you know, like, <laughs> right? You, you know, like I, I talked about it to Patrick, and we both know Arthur well, and yeah. Like, most people you do work with you kind of can see where the idea comes from oh right that's it either Arthur seems to have this knack you're sitting there and an idea comes out and it's fully formed and it's wow where did that that come from where he's got a he's a he's a he's a he's access to somewhere that I don't you know that kind of way and they're you know but but he came with this idea and he had written up some of it and there it was and it was like Wow, like it was like, yeah, this this is amazing. And then he got myself and McNugent, the same McNugent who's head of Atheist Ireland, and like we did oh, the right, thing yeah, between yeah. the three of us. I did the music, really the songs, and 
they did the script really. I did do some bits of the script in later versions of it, but right. that was kind of how it split, you know. And um, and that was it. It was a it was a ramshackle enough process in a way. Like, man, you know, they had a first draft done up, and it was all that, and and it was rehearsed, and then. You know, and some there'd be some suggestions where there'd be songs, but we didn't really know how you put a musical together. I mean, <laughs> really, in a way, you know, like it was like maybe that Arthur had suggestions where he thought there'd be good songs and some titles, like "There's a Tragedy Unfolding." That was one, and that that as you can imagine, it's so percussive. The, yeah. This phrase it almost writes itself. There's a tragedy unfolding. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but then there were other ones. Uh, and then gradually it was kind of like in the middle of rehearsals even all the operatic stuff in Ikeno the whole big opera stuff that I came up with that idea while the rehearsals were on really I kind of do you know what would be amazing the showdown because they were having problems yeah, yeah, I think yeah. with the showdown and it was like I think it would really work if we did this like an opera and really did it over the top and I, I really rushed in I came in one day with the guitar and I said that's how I see it. And I played the operatic bits singing along with the guitar. You can imagine how, uh, well, in fairness that, to the director, it would take mean. quite the imagination to be able to see, oh yeah, I see what you mean. But isn't that, that you must know. have been class, to leg it in that day and go, I, I mm. think we should do it. And well, there was also the a brilliant of. musical director, David Hayes, who was able to like, you could yeah, I'd love to be trying to do it. Yeah, okay. And up to his studio and... Uh, Every instrument, one take, and suddenly it's sounding like, uh, you know what I mean, Wagner or something, <laughs> you know. And uh, so that was, you know, but like there was a lot of it was done on the fly. And then there were bits dropped and there'd be another song put yeah, in yeah, instead yeah. of this song and all the rest. And then in the later versions, it was quite a different show. There was a whole musical section at the end where, you know... And we even had the kids singing this song a bit like something from Oliver, and yeah, that, was, yeah, that yeah. wasn't in the early versions. And uh, but even the opening song, I was sort of saying, I know it sounds bad. We were so naive. It was kind of like, I think you need a song to open a musical, you know? <laughs> and that was it. Well, well, that you know what? There, there's there's faith to be, or there's you know that mm. would give people faith because if they're thinking of writing something, the fact that you were able to write Ikeno and you went. I, do you know what? I think a song is needed at the beginning of a musical. Yeah. That's, that's where your naivety... Now, you had the talent, but your naivety of what a, an actor, yeah, you know... Yeah, it was not... Yeah, it certainly wasn't like we had studied the form and all the rest, and we just do it, did it intuitively, yeah. really. But then again, it was a great idea that Arthur had to have... To, to have this thing like it's a Roman thing. Yeah. You know, this tri- you know. So when the idea is very strong... It solves a lot of your problems. I get you. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, There's no convincing yourself. Like, like yeah. a comedy song, I always think, uh, and you know, and even when it's on pictorial, like, I, you know, it seems to me if you have the basic idea, if you have the title, yeah. you almost have the song. Okay. And you, you, yeah, know, yeah, you, you know, yeah. you're a comedian. You write material, so uh, and uh, all oh, yeah. other things. So you'll come up with jokes. You know what I mean. You'll you'll fill the verses up because you will. You, you eventually you realize. You're gonna come up with. You're gonna come up with. It's gonna be funny. Yeah, once you, know, you have an anchor there, you'll be all right. Like, you know, build it around it. Yeah. The main idea. You need the big idea. You know, yeah. don't you? You know, and and I, and I, and I've no problems also collaborating. Like say even on Irish pictorial, 
you know, yeah, you'd yeah. go into Barry and you'd say, yeah, there's the thing. And, you you know, and, and I, I, my, my approach would be to do loads of stuff. So, and, you know, then, yeah, not that, not that. Not, yeah, yeah, oh, I like that. You know, that, I, I Well, that's to say for better, yeah. This, and this. also I'm indecisive, so, uh, so I probably is better for other people to make the decision for me anyway so but, but Barry would say and Barry is decisive so Barry Barry would say yeah yeah I like that, I like that. yeah I think you need a stronger punchline at the end and you know and he would say yeah how about that and I'd say yeah 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 that's better fair enough <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it was I mean? Barry Murphy like you're not gonna yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly you know it was you know so you know it was you know it would always make it better but yeah I know you know, I never have a problem with that idea. Is there anything else uh, that you would you write another musical? Oh, oh yeah, no, I would, yeah, absolutely. Um, I do like, I, 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 that is one thing that the classic musical was still the dying days of it when I was young, you know, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like my sisters would have gone to see The Sound of Music. You know, it was. In, I mean, it was in the theater. It was in the cinema for two years. The Sound of Music, like, Mother of Jesus, like, and every birthday, every every day. What do you want to do? We're going to bring you out Sound of Music. No, not me. I I saw it a couple of times, but my sisters would just keep going to it. Okay. And so, like, I would add, like these things, like the Sound of Music, and you know, all these things. My Fair Lady, they'd have been on the TV, and like, let's face it, you three. We we don't need two channels really. We do TV and RTE when I was growing up. Really, BBC didn't come in well enough. Yeah, really. yeah, same. Yeah, and uh, so so you got to see a lot of these things. But even the kids' films, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these things, you know, they were kind of musicals. So I kind of and and I, I like I don't know. I I'm always amazed how many of these musical songs I know. You know or. They seem they must have been on the radio all the time. It must have been, yeah. But it's yes, but now mm. whatever about I don't know. They stick in my head a bit. But my wife, it's just incredibly catchy, unbelievably catchy. Like it was. It's funny. Like I've played musical stuff to my kids, and I have an interest in it anyway. Still, to yeah. a degree, you know. And you'd play musicals, things from musicals, South Pacific or something, you know. And within like. You know, my daughter, who's eight, was singing, I'm going to wash that man right out no of my way. hair. You know, and you're like, Christ, these these people really knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And my son, what one was he liking? There is nothing like a dame, you know. And yeah. I really didn't know what a dame was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's a dame? What it's a it? middle-aged man who likes to... Yeah, okay. You know, like that guy, you know, it's... Um, you know, but like it is amazing how catchy these things were. Like, wow. and, you know, but and you kind of realize, God, all the same, this this is not a form that's going to go away. You know, yeah. it's not going away. Like, and uh, so yeah, I do, I do like it. I, I what was brilliant about Ikeno was because I think because of it being set in Roman times as well, it meant it was you could do almost anything because it was camp. You know, yeah, you yeah, were, yeah, yeah. You it's like the life of Brian. Yeah. So you could do any musical style because there was an element. It was if it was operatic, you weren't being serious. It was taking the piss kind yeah, of thing. It's going to be silly, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was very. That was one great thing about it that you could just keep mixing and matching these styles and and throwing in bits of other songs like Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody or whatever it be. You know, and uh, it's um, it's funny, but yeah, it. It's it, yeah, it, it it's funny because I mean it it isn't really you know when I hit my teens, you know that in a way, I, I mean when I was young like the Beatles were still around when I was a kid. Okay, so, yeah. 
but we weren't really I wasn't really into music really till I was about 12 and so like you kind of so the Beatles were broken up by yeah they were, you know when I was about 12 really you know so it was glam rock was when I really that's when it really all worked for me but I mean they would have been all on the radio and all that growing up so you would have obviously knew the songs but it is funny I think people think oh you grew up in the 60s and you were a kid in the 60s and music you must love music but it was George Best we were into. We all wanted to be George Best. Of course, Best, yeah, not yeah. Paul yeah. McCartney. You yeah. Know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, everybody in a kind of, you know, in a more working class area in particular, like it was just, you know, in Dublin now, you know, I, I gather Tipperary was probably GIA or oh, Horley or something like, or yeah. whatever, but, but it was just soccer. That was it. Like, nothing else existed. Rugby didn't exist. So, you know, rugby was a middle class thing. And, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and upper middle class at that, like, I mean, I mean, it was GAA in my school. Also, we resented GAA because we weren't allowed to play soccer. Right, yeah. In fact, uh, funny, you know, in the school, the, the, actually, the, the, that, that Irish brother, he, you know, he used to blow, they used to stop for the Angelus in the middle of the game, for one thing, during games. No! <laughs> yeah. No! <laughs> I've never this heard something Ireland. like that. Yeah, and also... Jesus Christ, so no matter what you're doing, yeah. just stop. Yeah. Oh and my! And he, oh and, my God! And then he, but also he used to give. A, if you didn't pick up the ball enough, he gave a free to the other side. So there'd be lots. So if the ball was on the ground too often. Like, so yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Like that was the what level. Did he, of what do you even call that foul? Like you're you're soccering too much. Like yeah, like we, it was all. But I mean, another time the head brother <laughs> in the primary school came in, and I don't know what. He came in and he started. Uh, we were very naive that we didn't spot what he was at. Like, he comes in, okay, how are you doing, lads? I, ha- I, I, I haven't come in to, you to talk to you in a while or whatever. And this guy you know, was a bit of a brute, like, you yeah. know. You know, we certainly didn't have affection towards this man who used to beat us when our bloody bus was late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. So he'd come in and he says, how many of you were watching uh, the football on Saturday there? And, you know, says, and of course, everybody. Yeah. Except one one lad, I think actually, who was from Port Leash, who'd moved up to Dublin, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and he was like, because in those days you wouldn't have got it. He was the classic culty uncle, yeah, course, you know, yeah. Johnny Sullivan, really nice bloke. <laughs> got on well, you know. There wasn't like as if, you know, but he was like from a, you know, and uh, I was kind of like, how many was watching? Oh, and uh, who who were playing? And of course, whatever it was, Leeds and Man U or whatever the hell. I can't remember who it was. You know, yeah. Leeds and Leeds and Manchester United. Okay, that was them. And uh, who scored the first goal? And you know, all these questions were answered instantly. Yeah. And it was all, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, whatever, blah, blah blah, you know. And it says, and uh, okay, uh, moving on, uh, like or whatever. Probably didn't say that expression then, but whatever. <laughs> Who was who was watching the game on Sunday? Because <laughs> uh, you know, because they didn't do Sunday soccer, of course. At those yeah. days, and I was saying, uh, one half Johnny <laughs> Johnny's Douglas Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was whatever at Tipperary and Kilkenny or something, yeah. like, whatever it was. And and then of course it was all, you know. One night that is a disgrace and is a very sad our national game. You all know what's going on across the you know, what the English have done to this country. Oh my god. And, you know. Okay lads, well okay, well I'll be calling in here again, so what I, I what I advise to you is you better pay a little more attention to what happens in your own national game. What if you could have a career? 
where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> you know, wow. so you can kind of... So you're probably wondering when there's a, a small degree of hostility from an older yeah. generation. Like, Jesus Christ. You know, where that's coming from, you know... Well, I got, I got, even when I, mm. I played, I played hurling and I played football and mm. played soccer as well, but I just found, I, I started playing rugby when I was 12, but not, right. the thing about where, where I played rugby, there was, it certainly wasn't, wasn't middle class, it was just lads. Yeah, I know that's true down the country, because yeah. we used to play in the rugby clubs and it came as a surprise to yeah, me. Yeah, it was, especially was... so close to Limerick too, it was very much, you'd play it in the off season he stayed fit, fit, fit. Oh, but okay. I just found I was better at it because it was just too awkward really for hurling you have to be fucking oh, okay, bar- yeah. ballerina where they you know right, it'd be, yeah. it'd be fine if I grew up and wanted to play it's hurling it's fast as well play hurling in Leitrim but not when mm. you're in temporary because the standard is so high but the rugby mm. and I remember I remember when we were finally allowed to have a, a schools team and I started recruiting lads mm. now we had a couple of lads who played rugby anyway from clubs but I suggest we'll have a school team. Look at the size of some of the lads that play hurling and football. Big, tall mm. lads. And I was probably about 17, going on 17. And I got a phone call to my mm. parents' house. Somebody had covered their voice and basically mm. had said to cut out that, that Protestant shite. Don't be fucking, don't, be, don't you be stealing mm. lads like. And what was hilarious was I knew who it was and I was kind of laughing on the phone. And my dad was like, who the fuck is that? I said, mm. oh, it's just, it's just a Matt Ryan. He's being a fucking weirdo. He thinks it's a Protestant sport. He was like, what? Mm. What? what? And he was just, he felt so strongly. The same guy, like five years later, his daughter's going out with a very prominent rugby player. He knew every rule where Munster were going wrong and everything. <laughs> and you're like, just five years ago, you dickhead. You were. Right. Yeah. So it's funny how attitudes can change too. And it's funny that like, when when you when you hear about it now, because the ban would have existed then as well. Of course, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, uh, but like when you hear like the fellas that they would be going on to us about, like you know the heroes, like we the Dublin team when they won the Dubs won yeah, yeah. back in the seventies sometime, and I think one of the main guys had gone to our school. You can imagine how venerated oh, Jesus, he was, yeah. like you know, um, dirty. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And you know, nice bloke. I mean, we, people. 
I mean, it wasn't like I, I think there was a bit of interest in it when the Dublin team did well to yeah, a degree, of course, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it, but the resentment carried on through all of this sort of stuff, you know. And it was South Dublin, so you were you wouldn't have yeah. Wouldn't, there would have been a very different culture then to what these the Christian brothers would have been, you know. So it was course, very yeah. And uh, you know. But it bothers me to some degree, especially with music. Like to some degree, I hated Irish music because it would be again you'd be in there and they'd be playing Planxity like or something yeah. like this, and like this was, you know, they'd be kind of almost tripping on how you know with this, you know, like and it'd be oh one of the beautiful, and like you'd put on like someone put on horse slips and they'd be vaguely tolerant of that because it was sort of Irish, but then. One day, I think somebody they're saying, oh, in the Irish, so they're bringing you can play Irish music, and someone brought in Tin Lizzy or something. You know, imagine, <laughs> imagine how, how well that didn't go down, yeah, you know, but they weren't having that. And uh, you know, the skin color of uh, that, that's the odd thing about the Christmas the skin color of Phil Lyon wouldn't yeah. have been a problem for them, okay, because like we would have got lectured on how awful South Africa is because Christian brothers were. You're quite left wing you, okay you know? yeah, yeah. so the whole thing about the north and republicanism it was sort of they would have been coming at it from the point of view it's an odd thing that way you know yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. way so you had that going on but like but it was kind of funny but like it kind of bugged me because later on then you you kind of realised as you start to listen to more music and you hear things like the gloaming now and you kind yeah. of god you know like really I missed out of a lot of stuff that actually now I appreciate and I kind of think you know there was a lot of good stuff here and I, I you know basically the, I was they just so put you uh, up like yeah that. yeah it was kind of yeah well we always we do and that whatever I met Donald only one day he was at a glam tarts gig with right. Eleanor McAvoy or whatever and of course they were dead on and they were you know yeah. but you're almost imagining them to be a Christian brother vaguely yeah <laughs> you know, like, well we do that with our own stuff anyway a lot of the time don't we oh no I'm sure it's much cooler across the water like in a stuff oh yeah god I was I, I mean I grew up in you know you see this is probably what most people in Ireland like my, my father I mean I grew up in a house that almost hated Ireland you know right my father had to go away to work in the 50s in England and like he and I basically couldn't get work here and yeah. I mean he, you know he was you know it was really like dangerous stuff as he said like you know sleeping on a train because he couldn't afford a place to stay at night working on the buildings in Liverpool and you know and working at any number of jobs that he didn't even know how to do you know yeah. like, you know chefing and god knows what you know and but like so but there was Ireland was so corrupt so he would just everything to do with Ireland was terrible yes I yeah, grew up yeah, yeah. you know even Irish would you look at them look at our shower here doing this you know, I grew up on yeah. this stuff yeah. you know listening to it so and I was up this Patrick McDonald's is the same his yeah yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. it was like that kind of you know you know Jesus look at it there you know it's pathetic and like I, I've often said it as well and my one of my aunts in particular she worked for Fruitfield Jam owned by Lambs who were Quakers oh, yeah, yeah. but she kind of amazing woman I, I, you know actually my three aunts who if you know they were empowered women before empowered almost women, any women yeah, yeah. were empowered in Ireland you know and they were um, but like but she she would have been similarly like you know Protestants you know you know like 
she was a Catholic, but she Protestants were great, you know. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. You know, Something to aspire to be. And we went yeah, in, yeah. and they had all oh, that. It was beautiful. They had the tables laid out, beautiful, and they were all. I mean, they were really nice. And they it turned out, of course, they were Protestants. Dirty old Catholics. They were so, and you know, beautifully turned out, and you know, and you know. And I, I, I say, you know, I think it's my mother is my mother. Even my mother would say, like I, you know, my father being woodful, I think going back a couple of generations were Protestants and right. English yeah, or yeah. whatever. So, but they still would have. There's still a bit of that line in the family, you know. So, oh, right. yeah, yeah. you know, even though they don't have an English connection now or anything really, but there would be still that thread. It's still, you know, the way these things pass through yeah. generations. So, but they sort of have that sort of more English. Look and my father, you know, and, <laughs> but my mother would, my mother would often say to me, "Oh, oh shit, you know," and and you know what, like there was four children in their family. He says, "Oh well, you know, Kieran and uh, Anne, they got that beautiful Protestant woodful skin. <laughs> you got the L, you got the L Catholic O'Brien skin." But I, do, I, I, there's a bit, there's a bit I do, you I know. do at the minute, and it's about gigging in Germany and looking at people who come from ten generations of money. There's mm. a difference. There's a different look to it. Oh you know what God, I mean? yeah, they, yeah, they, of course. They never evolved. Their skin is just fucking class looking. Like, yeah, oh, there is. Not that yeah. old paddy skin that we have, because you know. And they don't show off. The no, way, you know. No, they're not doing the Conor McGregor on it like you know. Well, you know they say that in English that the middle class are the are the class. Although the middle class is now huge, but they said the middle class is the class that everyone despises, really. Yeah. Like working class kind of despise them, but also the upper class and the upper class and working class in a bizarre way kind of get on. Yeah, you know yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, tr- it's true. It's I've, I've seen it. Yeah. It's... You know, if Lord Henry Mount Charles or someone would be hanging out with some lead drinking cans. You know, who'd be <laughs> you know who becomes famous or some footballers. I I don't know whatever, but uh, I I I think that that's yeah definitely I mean there was a girl in my class who was I, 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 won't, I won't try and give you she was a lady something we never knew right. she was you know you know the, the, the soundest person in the class like you know like just dead on like yeah. would have parties in her place in fact I got her thrown out I, I did the DJ at one of our parties and got her thrown <laughs> out of the flat right <laughs> so but you know like you know, and she, you know, I often thought about that. God, you know, like, and just, just nothing showy at all about. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. About that, nothing about flaunt. I mean, if anything, pro- but in fact, she wouldn't have even told us she was a lady, something or other. It would just tell you how, like, this was something she didn't, you know, would prefer people didn't even know. She didn't want anybody to think get, this yeah, is what it, though, she was yeah. about. You know, she was. Yeah, she didn't have to fake it. So. In uh, in closing, we you have an album out this this year. It's the yeah, I, yeah. It was kind of the you know last year I brought out this. It was a project I did um, with this graphic designer friend of mine, yeah. Alistair Keady, who was in college with me, and uh, and he did all these. We we kind of call it a band. He does all these visuals and videos for it, and I did the music kind of thing. So I brought it out, and as I say, it was recorded here. Uh, and um, we'll have to give the studio a name, you know. Like, I know, you know, I don't like have a name for it, you've got to give it a cool name, yeah. I mean, you're, maybe, you're maybe as soon as I'm in Crumlin in the heart of the Kinnahan, uh, <laughs> the ghetto or something that sounds stupid. No, oh, do you know what? When when you were saying it like that, you're near Sun Drive Road, I was like, that, well, that that's a great name for a studio, but I'm sure somebody already has. I know their sons, I know 
two people who own studios in Crumland. Oh, uh, in fact, one of them texted me while we were talking to say, oh. do I want to go down to the cafe? <laughs> uh, and he I has think... a studio. In fact, I would, you know, we, in fact, some of the stuff in this room, I've, in fact, this green screen and these lights we co-own. He's, oh, okay, he's the bass right. player in the Camembert, you know, the Late Late Show band. Is it, yeah. is it Paddy? No, Cormac, Cop- uh, right. the bass player, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we know. I know Paddy, but Cormac and I would kind of... Uh, it's a very small world, isn't it? Exchange like, things and what have you, and you know, and record and whatever. And in fact, on previous stuff I'd done, like you know, I'd email him over, um, whatever a track he'd stick a bass down onto it, you know, that type of oh, thing or whatever, you know. Because you could do all that nifty kind of soul type bass and all ah, that. Type, right, you know? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And is the is the new is new album available? It, well, it's 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 only digitally available. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll I mean, put it in. We'll put it so, in the link. It is, it myself. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, aircraft of tomorrow is the name of great the name. Uh, oh yeah the project. You know, yeah, that we what, have. yeah. I yeah. and it's, so it's me and the visual guy, and we have a website aircraftoftomorrow.com dot com, uh, and we have what else do we have? And there's videos on YouTube, and then there's my own website. Paul, yeah, what's your website? Well, paulwoodfull dot com. Two L's at the end of Woodfall, which... And I'll put people... this into the description as well, so it'll pop up on iTunes so people can just click okay, straight through yeah, on yeah. it. You know, so I videos... There's other music that I've done as well that isn't part of that project, but that the album was Aircraft of Tomorrow, so, you know, I, I was... It was one of those... It was fra- I, I, oh, I had really wanted to do an album of yeah. serious music and that I'd been doing, and I was terrified doing it, you know, that like, you know, oh yeah, right, stick with the day job. You know, yeah, you no, know, I get you, yeah, yeah. And, but luckily it was, you know, you know what I mean, as we know, music is, you know, I don't know how many people, you know, listen to it or whatever, like that kind of thing, but um, it was reviewed well, you know, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, you know, relief was my main reaction to that, uh, to be honest, but it was like... Delighted I've done it, but it was a scary prospect the idea of doing it. Come out of your comfort zone too, like, you know. Yeah, it was one of those and it was like, okay, here we go, you know. And, um, you know, and it being so different to what I do, I mean, ambient electronic kind of music was certainly probably not what people thought was going to happen, you know. Well, not from the fellow who does Ding Dong. Yeah, exactly. But I love that, that's class. You know, so, so yeah, I was glad to do it I, I mean I, I have enough material even for another album but I, I haven't a plan to do one yet really but yeah. um, but like and I have a couple of other things I'm working on which I can't talk about I love that I love that but, would uh, you would you are mm, going to talk about it when you can't talk about it so yeah well it might of course they, they mightn't work out ultimately in which case I'll never talk about it of course yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> in which yeah. case they'll say no I forgot what are you talking about no no, no there was never a thing no no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, so yeah. thank you very, very much, Paul Woodfull. Mm-hmm. Okay, been, it's been a pleasure, you. brother. Mm-hmm. Thank cool, you very yeah. much.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.